Hey everybody, it's Aldo Gandhi, and I just want to let you know really quickly that our swag shop is reopened. DeepDishTees.com is where you go, and that's tees with T-E-E-S. Clever name, guys. They're the new home of our merchandise. You can get t-shirts, you can get caps, you can get coffee mugs, you can get hoodies, you can get all sorts of good stuff, and you'll help out the bar room with the purchase. So head over to DeepDishTees.com. Some may find the following disturbing. Discretion is advised. Put the children to bed. It's time for Dan and Aldo to bear their souls. I love the Chicago Bears more than I do masturbating, and that is a lot. Then, with three seconds left, Bob Avellini throws a 30-something yard touchdown pass to Greg Latta, and the Bears win, and I literally shit my pants. I swear to God, I literally did. Eric Kramer, for me, I love the guy. He's a tragic figure. I mean, he embodies all that is. If they don't run the ball here, I'm going to vomit. I swear to God. Look, I don't mean any disrespect. He just didn't play that well. Not for a guy of his caliber. You know, they won, but I'm, I'm going to be miserable all week because they stunk. I don't, I don't really have any recollection of that at all, but I guess perhaps I blacked it all out. So, Dan, tape is the ultimate tool for scouts and for coaches to evaluate players, to detect plays and so forth. And they spend hours looking at tape, right? Why do they so often get shit wrong? Ladies and gentlemen, Dan and Aldo. Dan McGuire, how are you, my friend? I'm well. Uh, it's good to talk with you again. It feels like it's been like three or four days because of that damn car ride back, but... I'm here. I wish that I were there, but uh, this is the next best thing. That's right. Dan drove all the way from West Virginia to Chicago, and then two days later drove all the way back home, all to experience his first victory of the Chicago Bears while he is in attendance and his first game at Soldier Field. So how was the whole experience? Uh, looking back on it, it, like I said, that day it was just surreal. But the th- couple of the things that we didn't talk about on air – so you, you broke off. I think you were going to piss or whatever, and you entered on your own because I had given you the ticket. You know, uh, you transferred it to your phone. So Brandy and I are trying to enter Soldier Field by ourselves without you. You're kind of like our adult, our chaperone or something uh, in Chicago, and the motherfuckers won't let us in. They claim that uh, these tickets are, are have been used, and uh, 
Oh, one second. Yes, sure. sir. Dan is uh, taking a very important call from his uh, superior okay. at the prison yeah. yard. And Sorry, work related. No worries. Uh, it's, anyway, uh, they won't let us in. They say that the, the tickets have been used. And in my head, I'm like, I'm panicking, but I'm just no selling it. I'm looking at this guy like, if you don't let me in, I'm going to fucking hit you. <laughs> you know, like, I'm just, I'm like, listen, I've driven 12 hours for this game. And you're going to let me in because like I bought these tickets. He has a computer. He asked for my name and it pulls up my name. I see it on his tablet. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, see, so I can come. He's like, oh, no, no, no. I've got to, I've got to text you a ticket. So he texts me the ticket and then it won't open. And he still, eventually he let me in. He wanted to see my driver's license. I'm like, God, does he want to check my colon? Like at that point I would have been like, all right, go ahead and play with my ass, whatever. Just let me in the game. But after a lot of noise, we got in and. Uh, of course, as you, we, I think we did mention, there was that crazy religious protester who called Brandy a, a blue-haired Nazi. Yes, that was weird. And uh, was calling people gluttonous pigs and saying that their body was a temple and that God would would hate them for being fat. <laughs> it's just those kind of things were strange. But once I got in, it it was amazing, and I think Soldier Field maybe just because the ambiance you know, gets a lot of hate mm -hmm. and maybe it's because there's, you know, doesn't have a lot of people in it in comparison with other stadiums. But when you're there, like you've told me before it, it, the action's right there. I mean, there's, like you said, there's not a bad seat in the house and it kind of, the, the grass looked good the other day. I mean, I know it's not December, but it, it felt like the stadium maybe is a little underrated mm -hmm. to me while I was there. Yeah. It, it inside. I mean, there isn't a bad seat in the house. You got great sight lines, but it just seems like everything else, the concessions, the, you know, we couldn't find a freaking pro shop. It was so, so difficult. Everything, two porta potties for 30,000 people. Yeah. It's like they, they had a bunch of porta potties in one area where nobody was near. And then in a high traffic area to and from, uh, 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 transportation they had two porta potties and these long lines and, and it, it just seems hey i didn't tell you this dad so once you were in your seat and i got in i got in after after you i went to buy a bottled water and so the lady takes the top off the plastic top and she throws it in the garbage i go i need the top i need the top we're not allowed to sell water with the top and i go why she goes because you could throw it and hit somebody in the eye I'm like, are you fucking serious? I mean, what are the odds that I'm going to throw, anyone is going to throw a, a, a cap and hit somebody in the eye? When we were in Cleveland, they sold beer in cans. And so I, I this whole Chicago thing, too much regulation, too much concerts. Bullshit. Concerts do that with the water bottles now, too. Oh, really? Yeah, that, a lot that of concerts will take the me. tops. Why? I don't get it. Yeah, it kind of it really sort of pisses me off. I'm like, well, I don't want to just sit here and like now I gotta chug it because I don't want to have you know some water that could spill. Right. So you have to like drink half of it immediately so that it's safe mm -hmm. to not waste. Mm -hmm. But then you feel bloated. You're like, well, I didn't want to drink half of it yet, you know. <laughs> yeah. I did like the bottle that you had, at least had the Bears logo on it. Yeah, that that was the other concession stand that I went to. They didn't they didn't they had the different caps for it, but it you know the whole experience at Soldier Field is um, it, it's not fun anymore for me to go there again. When I'm at the game, seated in my seats, I love it. Great uh, sight lines, 
Um, they've made improvements with the video quality and the huge scoreboard. But getting to there, getting out of there, the concessions, all that stuff is just n- not NFL level. And uh, the experience in Cleveland, not the game, <laughs> but the stadium and all yeah, that the was, game was much, brutal. Much, yeah, much, much better from a fan what, experience at Cleveland. What do you think, was, looking back, was the first game that you saw at the new field? Uh, the first game I saw at Soldier Field? The, yeah, the, the new one that opened in 03, the one we just were in. <laughs> yeah, it was that Cincinnati Bengals game where Chad Johnson just went effing crazy. On oh, the Bears. 05. Yeah. yeah, it was like, oh, man, out of all the games I got to come to to watch at the new stadium. I think that was the first one, but I, I'm not absolutely sure. The good thing about that was that led to us. Uh, we lost. In, I don't remember who we played in four. We may have had a bye week. I think that was week three. Uh-huh. And then week four, maybe we had a bye, but by week five, we went to Cleveland and had a 10 point lead in the first or in the fourth quarter and let Trent Dilfer come back and beat us. And Mike Brown just had a meltdown in the post game and said, dude, we just suck. Mm-hmm. We mm-hmm. fucking suck. We are so overrated. And then they went on an eight game winning streak after that. Mm-hmm. So anyway, there's a lot of activity in the chat room with Don Burr. You recall him? Uh, Is that the Lions fan? Yeah, exactly. So that wasn't the guy yelling behind us. No, right? <laughs> <laughs> that's right. It was a very annoying Lions oh fan. God. Two or three rows behind us. What were some of the things he was saying, Dan? You remember, right? Uh, it would be like 20. It was 21 nothing Bears at one point. He's like, the fucking Bears suck. <laughs> Bears suck. Bears suck. Go Lions. That's right. Oh, yeah. Lions. And like, you're down 21. I get that you care. I care, but when I was in Cleveland, I'm like, I'm yelling and stuff, but I'm even hoarse. But damn, I'm not trying to like piss off everybody around me, especially when your team is getting smoked. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it, so it, it, we saw Parky, Cody Parky. <laughs> he was, right. uh, that was, that was too far, by the way. So anyway, in the chat room, people are uh, are yelling out for Don Burr. He came on for a brief moment, but now has disappeared. And it is interesting because Sunday night when we did our little special, I think he was on then, and he said, oh, you guys are happy. You beat a terrible team and, you know, a team that can't do this, it can't do that. And I'm like, so, so now you're saying your team is terrible when you've been saying Detroit against everybody and kind of bragging that they're on the upsurge. When in reality, they're not. That team, that team and that franchise is in trouble. That coach, he might be a darling to Lions fans right now, but he clearly cannot coach. He made some awful, oh, awful agree. decisions in that Bears game. He did, uh, but I still think that there, there is some talent on that team, and they were pounding the rock early with the guy that used to be in Green Bay, Williams, and just got away from it. Mm-hmm. They kind of did a Matt Nagy. Mm-hmm. Just keep running the ball, yeah. man. You're, you're doing well. And then uh, I told you before we went on that WGN's Mark Carmen said in their their post game as i was listening to it today their podcast version while i was cleaning my house mm-hmm. because after being away from my house for like you know three or four days when my fucking cats having the the run by themselves oh my god you can imagine the messes so <laughs> the house is in good shape again now but it took a lot of the effort but anyway uh-huh. mark carmen said you know if, if detroit was anybody else but detroit in the four trips in the red zone that they go for it and don't get anything, they would have kicked field goals. Mm-hmm. And if you add those 12 points to the 14 that they had, the Bears lose 26-24. Mm-hmm. 
So and maybe that's true, but uh, it maybe it doesn't shake out that way because the Bears made some of their own luck. I mean, you had that one play where well, while we were standing there, I was like, God, what happened? Like I saw some kind of weird snap or fumble, and there was like Bears balls. Like oh, okay, but I didn't see what happened. Like he, the dude, the center snapped it before Goff was even ready. Yeah, I know that's a fluke play, but the other one I think was when Quinn sacked him, a strip sack. I mean, the bear, that's the, the Bears doing their thing. I don't really blame the coach on that one, I guess. Mm-hmm. Well, but there I, was some fourth downs he should have kicked. Yeah. You know, I, I I knew that the Bears got lucky in certain instances in the game. And I know you want to talk about your experience watching the broadcast version of the game as opposed to our actual live experience. I just want to start by saying this about that. When I I witnessed the game live. I was really so stoked that, you know, the Bears were scoring touchdowns, two touchdowns in their first two possessions, and that they were looking good and the game plan made sense and so forth. But it wasn't until I saw the broadcast copy last night that I realized really how fortunate the Bears were that they were coached by a complete fucking idiot in Dan Campbell. Uh, The Lions were coached by a complete idiot. The Bears, too, are coached by an idiot. But there was that fumble, as as you just mentioned. There was They decided not to get a field goal uh, when they were down just uh, 14-0. Yeah, yeah, the one late in the game, too. Right. Their third possession, they fumble. Um, the, and so on and on, they, they could have had 21 points or 17 points or 14 points or 10 points after their first three possessions, but it was total incompetence on their part that that game wasn't closer and perhaps they could have stolen a win in Chicago, particularly given the problems the Bears defense has had in second halves this year against the Bengals and, and, and now against the Lions. So, you know, they were, they, they, they were a bit fortunate in my in my opinion. I have a couple of observations off of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, just to praise Detroit for a moment, two things that I really liked. Their first scoring play, I can't think of the name of the receiver. He scored both of their touchdowns. I'm not a Lions fan, so I don't know their roster, but uh, they're fast. He's their new Galladay, essentially. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, his name, I, I got it right here. It's uh, Khalif Raymond. Yes. So Mr. Raymond... On the first scoring play, they do a fake jet sweep. And instead of where he was coming to get the ball, then he cut and he's just wide open. That was, right. was such a smooth play. I, I just, I loved it. I hope we steal it. It looked really good. At least we'll probably try it and, and get nothing out of it. But uh, when the Lions tried that, it was very nice. And second, their second scoring play, they stole it from the Browns. That's the same play that that fucker that used to play at the Falcons scored on us with the Browns that tight end when we were there uh, in the middle of the end zone, their tight ends wide open in both situations. It's Eddie Jackson's fault. Now Akeem to and Akeem to going to know more about football than I ever will, but I can say that I can speak better than he can. Mm-hmm. But that that's another story. He's on Fox. I'm here. Uh, <laughs> but uh, he said on the, the TV broadcast that it was Dion Bush's fault, but from what I saw on the TV, like Eddie was kind of pointing at Dion Bush. Dion Bush pointed right back at him. Right. Like, yeah. No, this is your fucking fault. Yeah. And it was the same play that the Browns ran on us. Because mm-hmm. at the stadium, both of us were like, how are they always so wide open? Mm-hmm. That, that, that My other observation was as follows. If that's Green Bay in week six, mm-hmm. we're in trouble. Because Jared Goff 
despite having a, especially in the second half, had really good statistics uh, in the second half. Right. But he missed so many throws, like with accuracy problems that Aaron Rodgers is not going to miss. Correct. Though. Like there was a, you know, a fourth down where he had a guy, the back go out uh, just a, a, toward the sticks on the sideline. He missed that throw. He was wide open. Couple of throws downfield he missed. And that's when Talib on the broadcast was saying that that was, in his opinion, the reason that the Rams kind of gave up on him mm-hmm. was because of his accuracy. And it really did look that way. But what I was taking from that was that's, it's not necessarily luck, but when you play better teams, like David Carr doesn't have the best arm in the world, but he's going to, you know, he's not going to miss those throws next week. And Rodgers is definitely not going to miss them. That is for sure. So I, I got a question for you, and I'd love everybody in the chat room, cl- including Don Burr, to answer this question. Do you think the Lions steal that game on Sunday if Matthew Stafford was the quarterback? Mm, that's it's quite possible. It's quite quite po- plausible, but I don't know. Not not if that coach is going to keep going for it on fourth down. <laughs> yeah, maybe I should say if if uh, uh, any one of their previous ten coaches was coaching that game. <laughs> yeah, well, maybe not Matt Patricia either. But <laughs> that's true. I, as, like going back a few. Caldwell, Caldwell would have run that game. <laughs> then yeah, probably, but. The one that's the one I really want to highlight that real quick. So you and I both at the stadium, I can't speak for you on this, but it's late. The Lions have momentum and they're coming back. And there's a third down play. I don't remember who caught it, but I thought it was a first down. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you did, but all of a sudden the Lions run to the line when it's fourth and one. I don't even think it's fourth and one. I think it's first and ten. Mm-hmm. I thought they got if they needed ten, they got nine. It was it was right there. Mm-hmm. Instead of taking your time and calling a play, they suddenly go no huddle, call the pass play. The one I was talking about where the receiver goes in the flat is open. He's open for the first down. Golf with a bad throw, and they have turned around. Now they're down for uh, they're down uh, twenty four to to fourteen. Right. If the guy had any sense, Campbell, if you're not going to go for it, first off, if you if you are going to go for it, you know, all right, let's make sure we got the right play, the right formation. This is the big play. But any other coach, I think, in the fucking world, even Nagy, is going to kick there. Because you're down 10, so. you need a field goal. Why not kick? <laughs> you kick, you're down seven, then you still have time to, to tie it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But by not, by not taking a chip shot field goal, you get nothing. It didn't make any sense at all. That, that's all on that coach. If we were Detroit fans or what, what's his name, Don? What's his name? Don Burr, B-U-R. Is that the guy that played Perry Mason? <laughs> no, that's Raymond Burr. Oh, Raymond Burr. Okay, well, if Mr. Burr is in the house, he is. like he's got to be feeling like this fucking coach took a, took the game away from us. I think I think Dan Campbell is still on a honeymoon in Detroit. Uh, they like his personality so much, and maybe Don, correct me if I'm wrong, but they like his personality so much. They're kind of in a forgiving mood right now. They realize that their roster is far from ready to really compete. I think they're happy to just have this be a throwaway season so that they can get a top three, top five draft pick and, and, and select their quarterback. I, see, the I have a different opinion on them. Okay. I truly do. They're 0-4, so in the end, you'll probably be right. Mm-hmm. But I truly do think that like they played fairly well against the Packers. They played well against Baltimore. 
if they could just put uh, like Talib, I'm stealing from Talib now, but if you have a great second half in one week, a great second half one week, the great first half and the first, the other, just if you could get it all together, then you could upset some people. Goff has had games where he's thrown for 500 yards before. So he, he is capable and he can work on his accuracy. They can run the ball. Uh, their defense isn't terrible. I mean, it's not great. They got a but young, good young offensive line. I can see them life. winning five, six, seven games before the year's over. Well, I, I'll tell you, I think that loss against the Ravens, and they should have won that game. It was a bad a p- a penalty not called on, on that game. I think that really kicked them in the nuts. And, and uh, by the way, Don sa- says that they are content with Campbell. It's learning on the job and building culture. So <laughs> that sounds Look, like can I ask Don a question real quick? <laughs> yes, go ahead. Because we brought him up. I didn't know his name before. Yeah. We always said that Lions fan. And I mean this <laughs> – I just want his opinion off of my opinion. Mm-hmm. I just want his reaction. Mm-hmm. I always, I don't have any hostility toward the lions and I didn't to the Browns before the, the week we were there. <laughs> I kind of feel like the Lions, Brandon Marshall once said they were a little brothers. <laughs> yeah. I don't know about the little brother part. I kind of feel like they're our cousin in losing. Mm-hmm. So they know what it's like to lose as much as we do. Or maybe they they've learned, they've lost more than we, because we've won the Super Bowl At least I don't mean that in a taunting way. Mm-hmm. But I'm saying, as a Lions fan, does he hate the Bears? Because I don't hate Detroit. Like, when they've made the playoffs a few times, they've made it like three times to Stafford. I was actually rooting for them because they hadn't won a playoff game in so long. And I actually liked Matthew Stafford. So I, I kind of think of Detroit as like, oh, man, they're long-suffering. They're just kind of like us. I don't hate them. There are times I hate Minnesota because I don't like Kirk Cousins. Mm-hmm. Uh and I hated Case Keenum. I'm like, who is this fucking bum? And how are they in the title game? Mm-hmm. Um, and and I absolutely hate Green Bay. So I just want his reaction. But he's hanging out with us, so maybe he doesn't hate the Bears either. But I I have no real heat with the Lions at all, truthfully. Well, um, I I don't either. And I didn't with Green Bay fans until I forgot what year it was. Where they would they became so fucking annoying on social media that I I said, you know what? I've I've learned to hate Green Bay fans. They're so fucking entitled. You know they've had it so good for so long. The Lombardi Trophy is named after them, so they feel like they're entitled to win championships. And um, but Viking fans and Lions fans have been. They don't disgust me like Packers fans, but uh, let's see what Don says. Don says, I don't hate the Bears. I don't like most Bears fans. I was at Soldier Field Sunday, and it confirmed it. You were at Soldier Field Sunday, Don, and you didn't say hi to us? Um, I'm I'm so hurt by that. (laughs) You know, I didn't hear any. Now, yeah, I I get what he's talking about. Real late in the game, the the, uh, Bear fans started chanting, Detroit sucks. Yeah, that certainly wasn't you or I. And I was thinking like, come on, guys, there's still some time left in this game. Do you remember last year? Mm-hmm. Remember last year? The Bears had what a 10 point lead with two minutes ago and fucking lost. Yep. So, yeah, I, I never like have just like stopped the taunting. I understand why that would be offensive to him because that's the way I felt in Cleveland when they were you know calling us gay and all kinds of stuff, you mm-hmm. know, uh, and mocking us. So I'm sorry for the fans that that said that to him for real. I don't, I'm not trying to sound corny. But that certainly wasn't us. Mm-hmm. If anything, it was that damn Lions fan the whole game that kept taunting us. Maybe and that no, no was. one in our section said anything to him either because everyone was just trying to enjoy the game, thankfully. Because if you've seen 
fights and shit on Sports Center where, you know, people run their mouth and then get punched, you know? Right. Maybe that fan behind us was Don Bird. Don, were you, what section were we at? Were, were you in section 255? 255 is where we were. Yeah. Where were you seated, Don? Were you, were you being annoying? <laughs> God, there was a guy just, just kept talking shit. And it's just like, Mike, David Mike. David Montgomery, the ball carrier, nine yards. And he'd be like, yeah, your running back sucks. You know, like <laughs> David Montgomery, nine touchdown bears and bear downs playing. And he's like, the bears suck. And like, dude, are you watching the fucking game? <laughs> that was funny. Don just yeah. paid us a compliment. He says he loves good football content and we bring the heat. So thank you very much, Don. Really appreciate that. Hey, Don, we saw a Herman Moore jersey. <laughs> I bring that guy up all the time. I thought he was a bears killer. 6-4 running that fade route in the corner. Yeah. Scott Mitchell throwing it to him, man. We couldn't stop it. It was cool to see that in the end. Uh, it was cool to see that, but you were disgusted by the fact that you saw at least one Golden Tate uniform. Oh, I hate Golden Tate. And we saw that Joey Harrington jersey. Uh, so that, was, that was the best. We're, we, we're in line to get out, and in front of us are three or four Lions fans, all of them are wearing Lions jerseys, and the guy directly in front of me was wearing a Joey Harrington jersey, which is kind of odd, right? Because he didn't have a distinguished like us wearing Cade McNabb. Yeah, that's true. And which I, we saw, we saw some K McDonald jerseys or at least one. And so immediately Dan, who is so good with remembering stuff, you say about Joey Harrington, go. Oh, I said when the bears were unbeaten in 06, <laughs> he was the guy that, that got us with the dolphins. It was the first <laughs> loss the bears had that year was from fucking Joey Harrington. That's right. So yeah, everyone has a revenge game. It was Joey Harrington's like, Oh, when I was in Detroit, these guys kicked our ass for the most time, for the most part. And uh, so here goes. Here's my revenge game. Everybody gets it, you know, against the Bears. Uh, you know, one of my favorite games ever, uh, I don't want to mention this because he was at our game Sunday, not Don, but uh, Charles Tillman. Mm -hmm. And one of, the, one of the most important early games, the Bears had been under 500 for like years, almost a fucking decade. Mm -hmm. And finally... The first time that the Lions or the Bears got over 500 with Lovey mm -hmm. was it was right near my birthday because again I'm born on Halloween. I think this was the 30th, mm -hmm. but it was Chicago at Detroit in 05, and they went to overtime and Peanut intercepted Jeff Garcia, took it back for a touchdown, and that was the first time that Bears had been over 500 since like 1995, mm -hmm. literally almost a decade that they were just constantly with the losing records. So that was like, I cried when that happened. Like that was just like, we're fucked. We're like four and three. <laughs> it just felt like improbable. Like all day. You just like, God, they're, they're going to end up blowing this, you know? And, um, God, I remember Orton, I think threw a touchdown to that receipt. We had a receiver early that year that was balling, got hurt and never was the same again. Oh shit. What was his name? Um, me out of here the 05 bears let me look that up let me look at the yeah, roster look at that uh yeah you got that. you got it you'll remember this guy it's like he showed a lot of promise early that year he was still around for the super bowl team but got hurt and never really did anything again uh let me look at wide receivers look at wide receivers and i'll let people know that uh johnny santucci uh, uh, the tooch. will be joining us uh shortly uh johnny is going johnny I don't think he goes by the name Johnny. Uh, Tooch is going to become a uh, regular on the show to help us out with a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff, but also have uh, 
uh, some speaking segments. We want to get his opinion not only on our beloved Chicago Bears, but uh, just about anything we talk about. He's a big movie lover. And so uh, the Santucci is going to be with us in a Mark little while. Mark Bradley. Mark Bradley, third-round draft pick out of Cincinnati, Louisville, something like that. Oklahoma. Oh, there you go. <laughs> I'm on his uh, pro football uh, reference. That's the only reason I remember that. <laughs> yeah, he, he was doing well that year, got hurt, I think, in that Lions game and, and just never did much after that. Mm-hmm. By the way, did you hear, as Toa has, uh, just put it in the chat, that the Cowboys released Jalen Smith, the linebacker from Notre Dame. He, uh, it's interesting that he would be released. I mean, this guy is like a, another Roquan Smith type of linebacker, super speedy. He had that uh, terrible, I think, knee injury in his senior year of college, and so that hurt his draft stock. But the Cowboys uh, uh, signed him and they gave him some good money, but they've released him now. So, man, it would be interesting to kick the tires on Jalen Smith. Uh, why, why Why do they cut him, though? That's what I don't know. I'm I'm hoping to to learn more about that soon. You know, and I don't I don't I don't know if the Bears would be interested because well, over- right now our linebackers are doing well though. You got Gibson coming in for Mac mm-hmm, exactly. when Mac needs spelled, and Mac is doing well, and Quinn is doing well, and you've got uh, uh, fuck the guy that that's playing for uh, Trevathan right now. Help me out here. He played so well Sunday. What uh, Ogletree? Ogletree. Yeah. Ogletree is doing well. Roquan's doing well. I mean. Fuck, and then we got Trevathan in the bullpen who's got to be healthy again pretty soon. Uh, I mean, I mean, knock on wood, do we need another linebacker? We don't, uh, but if you can secure a talent like that and there aren't any character issues or anything like that, then um, I'd say bring him in. But, uh, you know, I, 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 again, I don't know, but he's a he's an incredible athlete, so – I, it, for the Cowboys to drop him, there has to be something going on, and uh, they owe him money. It's not like they just dropped him. And uh, let's see, he told Mike McCarthy, Aaron Rodgers was right about you. You're a shit coach. Right. Laz <laughs> asked, do we have any cap space? Yeah, we've got some. If you know, I, I think you, you have could, to sign a running back with that. Well, that's the other thing, right? Um, today there was a move. Uh, what's his name? Germani uh, Grant. There was a trade for him. He's going Thankfully, to be- Webster's gone now. He could go back to the Lion King because he was a <laughs> shitty pump returner. Yeah, he, Simba. he did nothing in his time here. Uh, but uh, this new guy is going to not only return kicks, but he will also return punts. And so that's a signal that, of course, that uh, Khalil Herbert is probably going to be the second string running back now. Behind well, Williams him. is hurt. Yeah, but uh, what I my understanding is that his quad injury is not serious, and he's expected to to play Sunday. So he'll probably. Do we have Pierce Artigas, uh, in the bullpen for the practice squad, or is it just Ryan Nall? No, it's uh, Pierce as well. So I I bet you they activate Pierce over Nall then, because Pierce has gotten opportunities in the past to play in the game more so than than Nall yeah. as as a back. I mean, not just a special because Nall was there basically playing special teams right. with the exception of some mop up work in the fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I bet you Pierce's uh, Pierce had a playoff carry. He he did, and I like Pierce just like Laz uh, just said he likes Pierce too. Um, I but my concern is that they'll probably take Nall because he's got 
much more capabilities with special teams. And so that's a, a big part of who they consider bringing up. I'm not sure what Pierce can do in special teams other than run kicks, but that's who they traded for this guy. So we'll see. It's going to be an interesting decision. Hopefully we'll know by Wednesday or Thursday what, what the move is. And we, I wish he would just come out and say that number one is starting. Mm-hmm. Maybe not for the whole season. I get it. He wants to be cool with Dalton and I can appreciate that. He's trying to be a man of his word. I know that sounds corny, but I want to, you know, he doesn't want to just, he may lie to the press. He may lie to us, but at least he's trying to be stand up with the player. I can respect that. But uh, at this point after the game, look, man, especially watching on TV, the throws that he was making on Sunday looked effortless. Mm-hmm. Like the deep throws to, to Mooney. Mm-hmm. It looked like he's just warming up. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, Dalton can't make the, I'm t- I said it the other day. I know you was like, well, I don't know. You're not giving Mitch enough credit. I, I don't think that we've seen a quarterback in Chicago throw the way he did since Cutler. And I know I'm not saying that Cutler was great or anything, but you can't take away Cutler had a good arm. Yeah. That's so, sure. I mean, that Cutler could throw it, sling it deep to Alshon or Brandon Marshall all day. Uh, and I, I just thought that the deep ball looked so good. I was mesmerized, mm-hmm. you know? So it made me think of those, you know, those old Atlanta brave spots. They said chicks love the long ball. <laughs> That's uh, right. with Tom Glavin and Greg Maddox. Right. Yeah, I was like, well, guys love the fucking long ball and passing <laughs> even bears fans. That's right. So yeah. I mean, Andy Dalton can't make that throw. You know, Foles probably could make that throw before Dalton. In my mm, opinion, I, no. I think you have to play Foles against the Raiders. I'm not Foles. I'm sorry, Fields. Fields against the Raiders. Yeah, for sure. Uh, that That's a must. So why don't we do this? Why don't we play our media segment? This this week, I took a crack at cutting together media sound bites, and I, I couldn't and uh, yeah, I couldn't do it in the traditional way that Dan has done it because there was just that press conference on Sunday. You know, it was the talk of the media on Monday. And so I had a lot of uh, national media people talking about Matt Nagy. And then towards the end, this this media segment is almost 15 minutes long. So I, I may have overdone it a bit. But um, towards the end, there's comments about the quarterbacking situation and so forth. But I want uh, I want to play this and and please know Dan if you can get fire up your phone because you need to see some of the visuals with this in order to get the gag that I was doing. So it was my attempt- oh, give me one second then I have to send a text to a friend. Okay. And and I will open it up on you have your I can open it from Twitter right? Yeah, you can open it from Twitter or the or the Barroom Network Twitter channel. Um and uh so okay about- text sent I'm gonna open it up right now then so I can see the visual. Cool. And make sure you keep your audio down until the video runs because then you'll hear some feedback. There's a seven. Yeah, I'll just listen to the audio in my ear through the headset. There you go. I've got the phone turned down. All right. Um, What else did I want to say about this? Uh, I want to thank ESPN, uh, NBC Sports Chicago, um, um, uh, the Rich Eisen NFL Network show, uh, WSCR, ESPN 1000. I think those are the people that I dug clips out of. And um, it was, uh, yeah, I spent four, four hours working on this because I just... really don't see it yet. I'm on the barroom network, not to cut you off. I see the pen, tr- uh, Eric Kramer. Mm-hmm. And then it says, Dan, and I'll, okay, I have to open the link to get it. Okay. Okay. I got, it. I got, it. I see. You. All right. This guy's I'm ready to go. Finally learning how to do this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
So um, without further ado, let me get rid of that uh, picture and uh, we'll play this. We all understand it is, um, you know, the, the offense in general, we get together on Monday as a staff, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. We go through everything together. Ultimately, it goes through me, right? Everything that we do, regardless of, of anything else, who's calling this, who's calling that, it goes through me. Me, 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 me. So we'll continue to just keep talking. I just feel like every time I hear him talk, he continues to confuse people more and more and more. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. He's not a brilliant head coach, it doesn't seem. Because we, we do it together. And then there's a collaboration of how we do it. And he's not a brilliant head coach, it doesn't seem. That's what it is, and that's what's going to be the rest of the year, is just, is just knowing that whatever happens, it goes through me, and we've done it together. And he's not a brilliant head coach, it doesn't seem. In the end, 39 total carries. Um, I think you can win football games doing that. And he's not a brilliant head coach, it doesn't seem. So in regards to the play calling, uh, Bill did a great job, you know, and, and I think that uh, – you know, at the same point in time, it's important that we understand that uh, I had to be, I, I felt good out there as a head coach, and that's real, you know. Um, that, but we all get together, we talk through um, how we're going to call the game, and we do that when, when, I'm, when I'm calling plays too, you know what I mean? Us as a staff, we get together, and, and um, so I think that that's important for everybody to know, you know, is that when we build a game plan together, whether it's the offensive line coach with Juan or whether it's our tight ends coach or wide receiver coach, et cetera, we do it together. And, and in the end, um, you know, I get a, a great opportunity to say, yes, I like this or no, I don't as the head coach, right? In charge of all that, that that's real. Man, shut the hell up. <laughs> he, he gave Bill Lazy the play calling, um, gave him the credit and then took it back. Sometimes the O-line always gets all the credit, and they did a hell of a job. But I, I, I can't forget about – we can't forget about those tight ends. Gave the O-line the credit, but then said the O-line gets too much credit sometimes, which the O-line never gets credit. So I just want us to have the best opportunity to win. And I feel like Bill did a great job today. Our players did a great job. Our coaching staff did a great job. And we played collectively together as a team, not just players, not just coaches, everybody. And when you have that, it's a good feeling. I don't know if you guys ever met these people that when you talk to them, sometimes it just feels like you're always trying to tell me about how smart you are. And that's what Matt Nagy reminds me of. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. It's like, hey, I'm smarter than you. I know the secret sauce. You don't know the secret sauce. So let me just keep telling you why I know the secret sauce and you don't. That's what it feels like. And that's problematic and bothersome to me as a fan. We'll continue to, to but, but again, like, again, with all due respect, all due respect, that it's going to be the, the last time I talk about it. So for me, um, there's, there's always, you, you always have moments in, in your life, moments in your career where you get to a point where um, you, you understand, okay, where you're at, why you're there, um, how you're going to get through it. Um, and I just feel like as you get to this point, um, you get to start to see true colors of people, um, whether it's players, coaches, um, out, people outside, family, friends, et cetera. And this, this comes with the territory. I mean, this is anybody that signs up to be a head coach is always going to go through times like this. Okay, there was a lot to unpack there. Um, what is it all about? What was that about? What he wants credit. He wants that credit. Well, he, he ain't going to let it go just yet. Uh-uh, I still hold the keys to the car, man. He's got a lot of pride, and I think his, I think his, his ego was bruised a little bit. You know, he does a lot of uh, double talking, you know, because I think there's a there's a Matt Nagy that wants to say, be honest with everybody, with the world. 
And as he starts to get become get honest, he double talks himself to say, no, 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 no. <laughs> Let me put myself back. I'm a head coach. I had to answer this thing the right way. Sometimes you can say too much. I guess he wants us all to know he's the head coach. I don't know if he knows we know that. We all know you're the head coach. Well, that was about... <laughs> <laughs> I'm with you. Hey, guys, I didn't call none of these plays, <laughs> even though I did last week. But guess what? All this comes back to me. I did all the right stuff as the head coach. I sucked last week. And I almost got this young man killed. Y'all wanted to fire him. He shouldn't have been drafted at 11. This week, I ain't called no plays, but everything came back to me. Oh, say, you know what? I was bad at calling plays last week. This is the third time I've fired myself. The biggest mistake I've ever made as head coach is to continue rehiring myself <laughs> as the play caller. <laughs> so guess what? I passed it along to Bill Lazor, and he did an amazing job. Because his job is to call the plays, get Justin Fields in the best position to succeed, and guess what? Bill did that. Not me. Bill did it. But guys, look at me. I'm Matt Nagy. As Greeny always says, I'm bald-headed and I wear a visor. <laughs> like, like, stuff like this upsets me because he had an opportunity to heap praise on his offensive coordinator and his quarterback, but he had to point out, guys, guess what? I did this, so don't fire me and hire Bill Lazor because I made the choice. I love the fact that the Bears chose Justin Fields' future over the head coaches yeah. or the play callers, and that's important. And it's not necessarily Necessarily the result, it's what it looked like. The under center play action chunk hey, crossers. Hey, hey. That's yeah. what Justin Fields yeah. did at Ohio State. The under center, hardball play action, inbreaker routes to big receivers like Allen Robbins. That's what it looked like at Ohio State. Mm -hmm. The mini windows, but I can be aggressive downfield on vertical routes. That's what it looked like at Ohio State. Justin Fields threw the ball on vertical routes yesterday downfield five times. He threw for 123 yards. Yeah. That's what it should look like. Mm -hmm. I know it's the Lions. I know the defense isn't good. But just the process of getting there. And all of a sudden, Justin Fields goes from, man, this guy stinks. He's got bust written all over him one week to going, ha, he might have been the best rookie on the field yesterday quarterback-wise. How easy is it? It's protection first mm -hmm. with a rookie quarterback. Mm -hmm. Protection first. All right? You can't give up a sack on a running play. They ran the football. Okay? And then like he's that. underneath center. Yes, it opens up play action. And they had max protection. How simple is it? Look how many tight ends played. We're enjoying uh, a victory, and we got a lot of people that are pumped up about it, but there is still this suspicion that, uh, you know, what now? In other words, is, is the play caller established? Are they going away from that ever again? Is Andy Dalton ever taking another snap for the Bears, or is Justin Fields the big quarterback? These questions will probably be interesting to follow heading into the Raiders game. Now, please don't. Here's another thing. Being a head coach, Nagy, I don't want to hear this crap about this other guy's Andy Dalton's my starting quarterback. Yeah, start somewhere else. You'll be you'll be <laughs> out here with Andy Dalton on the bricks if you start him again. Don't do it. Keep this guy going forward. The next three games are Raiders, Packers, Buccaneers. You're leaving Justin Fields in there Absolutely. now? Absolutely. Absolutely. You're talking about, like, the Buccaneers. Like, they're going to be out here playing great defense. The Packers, like, they – no, I think Justin Fields, if played this way, can be very successful. I don't know why there's a need to tell you who the starter is going to be. You can answer that question in so many different ways where you don't have to answer the question. You can say Justin Fields played one hell of a game. We were able to do things with him that we haven't done before. He's our starter for now. When I say for now, that means that could change tomorrow. 
That means Andy Andy Dalton could be our starter if he comes back and if he's healthy. Or Andy Dalton will not touch the field again this year. He will not see the field at all this year. I disagree with I, that. They draft Justin Fields, they move up to take him. Yes. They've never had a great quarterback since no. Sid Luckman, which is the same thing as saying you never had a great quarterback. Because we right? wasn't born yet. We weren't born yet. They haven't won a Super Bowl since 85, and they're a football-crazed town. So they finally get a guy. Looks like he could be the one. You want to handle that right. And by handle that right, I don't mean the locker room at this moment. I don't mean the fan base right now or the media. I mean by Justin Fields, you want to handle it right. You want to develop him into a great quarterback. Now, Key, Jay, I understand there were extenuating circumstances. He starts to see preseason. It's like, yeah, he should be QB1, right? Then Andy Dalton gets hurt. You got to put him in. Yeah. And once you put him in, boy, it's tough to take him out. You're not going to do it. I cannot go back to Andy Dalton because I just won with Justin Fields, who was 11 to 17 for 200 yards in a, in a pick. Whatever. We won the damn game. My players in my locker room are energized, and we can tell they're energized by number one. Not by 14, by number one. So if I make a decision now to go back to Andy Dalton, those veterans in that locker room, I'm going to lose. And I can't afford to lose them because if I put Andy Dalton in and I lose them, now guess what? We lose games. I did this last year with Mitch Trubisky. If I'd have just rolled with Mitch Trubisky the entire way, who knows what would have happened? What's so funny, Jay? <laughs> because Key is thinking like Keyshawn Johnson. He's not thinking like Matt Nagy. Like, you're thinking too practically. That makes too much sense. I don't think Matt Nagy thinks that way. I don't think he's wired that way. Justin Fields played well yesterday. He executed uh, the game plan. They uh, finally got some explosive plays going in that offense. Explosive plays are 20-yard uh, pass plays or runs of, of 10 yards or more. The Bears as a team had eight of them, I believe, through the first three games. They had 10 in the game yesterday. Certainly, uh, to a degree, you've got to account for the opponent, which is the Lions, who are on track for a top-five pick in the 2022 draft. But the offense was a heck of a lot better. Uh, you've got to give them credit. The game plan was much sharper, much, much sharper than it was a week ago. I thought he was a Maserati with four flat tires in the original game plan. Somebody pumped the, the air in there, and guess what? Does he not look legit now? Yeah. I can't conceive of any possibility that makes sense to me where Matt Nagy could come out and say, Andy Dalton is our starter if he's healthy. I think the context changed, even though he said that last week. Yesterday, it changed everything. Can you still see that being a possibility, though? I think you could create more time with this knee issue for Dalton, the bone bruise in his left knee, allow Fields to start Sunday against the Raiders. Again, I said my hunch would be Fields is probably the guy. And then evaluate it after that. I, there's no reason right now that they have to make some, you know, decision with finality on it at the position for the rest of the season. Um, honestly, the, the next two days will, will be revealing to us. And then once once that happens and we get a feel for where he is, then we as coaches decide, okay, hey, where are we at right now? How do we feel he is percentage-wise, Andy, to be able to to uh, to go into that game as the starter? So if he's so if he's healthy, if he's good to go, then he'd be the starter. Correct. I I I mean, if they put Dalton back in, 
I do not, I it, forget, it just doesn't compute. I can't even find the words. It's my job to find words for a living. <laughs> That's what gets coaches got in this league. Got to keep going with it. Justin Fields, keep going. Bears fans are, are excited. You're going to tell them, here comes more medicine? They want the spoonful of sugar. Yeah, I just quoted Mary Poppins. Again, I'm trying to find words. I'm trying to find words. I'm going with Julie Andrews. That's This doesn't compute. The hills are alive. I mean, yeah, my Supercalifragilisticexpialidocious, Rich. All right, I don't get it. Is all I'm saying. I don't get it. I think he will use health as a cover. As he's, a gamesmanship he's cover. He's not going to take it all the way up to game time right. anymore. He's going to start fields. He's going to announce that he's See, starting that, that's fields. That's sensible. That's like a gamesmanship cover, and it's also a uh, Dalton politeness cover. Yeah, exactly. So, and then, and then if fields balls out against the Raiders, then if he starts Dalton is when I blow a gasket live on the radio. You know what I mean? Like, so I, I that's what I'm, uh-huh. how I'm operating for right now. But, in an alternative universe where Nagy doesn't say the weird stuff about the play calling and he doesn't reiterate Dalton as the starter when healthy and the fan base gets all you know jumbled up in all of this, this is a, a Bears victory Monday unlike one that we've had in many, many years because five, I know I keep saying this stat, but it matters a lot. It matters a lot because we've pointed out the next-gen charts with how short all the throws have been Yeah, for weeks and weeks. Seven, or excuse me, five completions of 20 yards or more is the modern NFL for high-powered offenses. That is, you need chunk plays in the passing game. Throw the ball downfield, good things happen. And Justin Fields, he was the top deep ball quarterback in this draft class coming out. Like he he has a touchdown to check down mentality. Yes. And so like in the universe where Matt Nagy didn't muddy the waters, I feel like the celebration today, even with all the caveats of it, uh, it's the Lions and all that, it would be so much more raucous oh, because I what totally Justin agree. Fields did was so damn special. Dude, I totally agree. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. <laughs> oh, Dan, what'd you think of that? Uh I was leaving comments. Nobody else was interacting with me, though. <laughs> really? Where are you? Are you leaving comments in the uh, in the chat? Yeah, area? watching the video. Yeah, I was watching the video, leaving comments. I said that David Hall hates me. I was like, but he's never had sex with a woman other than his wife. <laughs> I, I said uh, Matt Nagy has a small cock. <laughs> I said, fuck Max Kellerman. Jim McMahon was 49 and 17 as a starter. He won 28 in a row starting and balled out in the Super Bowl. So, yeah, he you can't just say, oh, we have a quarterback since Sid Luckman. <laughs> I said I agree with uh, Rich Eisen, and I said that Rick, uh, Rex Ryan has dentures. <laughs> he does look like he has false teeth or like those high-priced vene- veneers or was that what those are called? Veneers, right. Yeah, Jay Cutler has those too. Oh gosh, where they're so white, they're so fake, they almost look like they like have horse teeth or something. And and he loves to suck on toes, does Rex Ryan? He's a. He's I thought you were going to say about Jay. I was like, well, we don't know that, but maybe. Uh, I still can't believe what was it he said over the weekend. Allegedly, he said that. Something like Barack Obama should go identify as white because his no, dad was a no, shitbag? No, that was Sage Steele, the ESPN anchor woman. She was 
Jay Cutler's guest on Jay's podcast. Oh, I, okay, good. Because I thought that was Jay that said that. I was like, what the fuck is going on with Jay? No, no. That, is that, that why she was suspended then? Because she got taken off air, right? Yeah, she was taken off air because in that same interview, uh, she criticized Disney saying, you know, uh, everyone has to be vaccinated or something. I don't know what exactly what she said, which is what you would expect from Disney, a global company. And you, you can kind of tell when she said that, that she was thinking to herself, oh, shit, I should not have said that. Well, thank God Jay didn't say that about Obama because I was like, damn, I know he's a Republican, but right. come on, man. But there's there's been a lot of other controversial comments made by Sage Steele that uh, I think finally – the folks at ESPN said, okay, we need to give her a break. But they did it under the guise that she tested positive for COVID, and she's an anti-vaxxer. So it's a, it's kind of a weird situation there. The other interesting thing about Sage is that she herself is, is biracial, and um, so she comes up with this criticism of Barack Obama, and then uh, she marries a white man, and she had been posting all these things about, you know, he should be applauded because he looked past all the biases about marrying a, a black woman and so forth. And she was just paying him homage all the time on social media. Well, um, he's filed for divorce, and because she makes more money, she's going to pay him alimony. It's like, wow. oh goodness, that that really hurts. But uh, good luck to Sage Steele and uh, and all the folks at ESPN. And thank you, ESPN, for allowing us to use that uh, copy. And by the way, I agree with Four Thousand Clovers when he says Sage Steele is fine as fuck, though. <laughs> you know, I've never really seen her. Like, I I just don't. I don't have time. And if I do, I don't watch ESPN because I don't care about. Well, what's Aaron Rodgers doing today? What about Dak Prescott? It's mm -hmm. the same old shit over and over and over. So the only time I get any slice of ESPN is from you. Whenever you <laughs> share the stuff, I just, I don't watch that or the NFL network show. I just don't. You're not missing much. I, I, I've only, uh, I, I've, I only watch ESPN because of this show and a couple of the other shows on the network that, you know, I want to, I, I'm searching for some material and they have some good shows, you know, but, um, uh, overall, I, 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 I just can't stand to listen to Steven asshole Smith, the AS for oh. asshole on yeah. there yelling about like, you know, just whatever like he hated Cutler. He was always constantly belittling Cutler. Mm-hmm. And like, that's my experience with them. Just him constantly ranting and raving about shit. Like, I just, I just don't watch it. Yeah, I ha have to agree with Toa when he says Sage is fine, but I prefer Molly Quirum. Quirum, she's the uh, co-host of that Stephen A. Smith uh, show. Uh, I forgot what it's called. Uh, but is he not with Max Kellerman anymore? No, Max. Uh, apparently, behind the scenes, Stephen A. Smith was not happy with Max Kellerman. The rumor is is that he was challenging him too much on some of these debates, or just it got to the point where. It was a fractured relationship. So Max is off the show. He is now co-hosting that show with Jay Williams and Keyshawn Johnson. And Stephen A. Smith has a rotating co-host with him and, and Molly, who I'm I told big, you he was an asshole. Stephen asshole Smith. I, I agree. I'm not a big fan of Stephen A. Smith. I just I, I I get tired of all the yelling and kind of, you know, him and Skip Bayless. When they were together doing that show, I was like, no effing way am I going to listen to these guys yelling at each other and talking shit and trying to, you know, seem like they got bigger dicks than each other. So um, 
Isaiah Robles says that Molly is annoying. And yeah, a lot of people say that about Molly, but I don't see that. Uh, but I'm going to get off the topic here because Dan. Well, well, one more for you. One more. Sure. I was going to say, I don't know. I read this the other day. I haven't watched one ounce or one minute of her ESPN work. Frankly, I didn't watch her stuff on Fox Sports Net or FSN, whatever, FS1, whatever the fuck it's called. But uh, they let that Katie Nolan go as well. And I love her. She brought a whole new approach towards sports. And I love, you know, diverse voices in sports. And she, and she never claimed to be a sports expert. She was a, a fan and would be, treat sports as comedy and stuff. But apparently she uh, expressed political views that ESPN is trying to get away from. And so I think that's why she was released. Uh, so she's a free agent. If she wants to come work at the bar room here, we've been, she can go spot. back and do garbage time again. Yeah. She can, she, you know, if, if she wanted to come and work on this show, uh, what I would do is I would say to Johnny Santini, sorry, Tooch. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, man. Could we call her something girl? You couldn't use <laughs> no, no, the team no, name no, 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 because no. that's been done before. No, 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 no. Don't even go there. Tooch, how are you, my friend? I'm doing good, and it was lovely to see you both over the weekend. Man, it was oh, great yeah. to see you. It family. was good to finally meet you. That's right. It was the first yes, time. it was. Yes, it was. Isaiah Robles uh, wants to know what you think about Kay Adams, Johnny Santucci. I like them all. <laughs> <laughs> the younger the better, right? Is what <laughs> I'm, I'm, a, I'm as much a dirty old man as Aldo, Dan. <laughs> no, I am much more dirtier than you are. <laughs> okay, I'll give you that one. <laughs> you have two young daughters. You can't go as far as I can. <laughs> That's sounding like America's mayor from New York. More <laughs> <laughs> at two. Uh. Uh, again, I, uh, I will reiterate the announcement I made uh, a half hour ago or so. Uh, Tooch is not going to join us here at uh, Dan and Aldo. He's going to be a contributor in many different ways, and uh, he will be sharing his opinions about the Chicago Bears. Now, I know, Tooch, you were in the Chicago area over the weekend, so you didn't get a chance to see it live. Did you go back home and take a look at it? If so, why don't you share your thoughts? Yeah. I watch a lot of games the next day. Uh, I mean, not Bears games. Bears games I'll try and watch live, of course. But uh, with a Sunday ticket, you can watch like speed mode. It's like the game just, you know, with a, no no pauses, no commercials, just straight. It takes like, you know, 20 minutes to get through a game. Yeah, you know? right. <laughs> so, <laughs> but yeah, I did uh, I did watch, uh, watch the game. And, uh, you know, uh, a couple players popped. You know, of course, uh, besides Justin Fields and, and David Montgomery, mm -hmm. um, it looks like Darnell Mooney could be a wide receiver one. You think so, huh? If he's got the right quarterback thrown in the ball, of course, that's another topic to unpack. Uh, and then, uh, you know, number 44 popped off. You know, I, I don't know if Danny Trevathan's going to get his job back when he, if he comes back. You know, just... <laughs> Uh, oh, Alec Ogletree was making plays all over the field. Yeah, and, uh, we talked about that a little bit earlier. I, I yeah. think uh, I, I think Danny may have lost that starting job to Ogletree. Yeah. And uh, 26, man, I don't think I've seen Deion Bush make a play as a bear. But mm -hmm. He was making some plays uh, while uh, uh, Tayshawn Gibson was out. And uh, Tayshawn's brother, Travis, made, uh, made a lot of plays too. Looks like. 
you know, if Khalil Mack were to move on, you know, that spot pass rushers in some good hands there. You know, I don't he, want to be too early on it, but he he yeah. looked pretty damn good. Yeah, he he is definitely a stud. And Greg Gabriel, uh, who does the show Mondays here at the Ballroom Network, former scouting director of the Chicago Bears, he was uh, touting him throughout the preseason, saying this guy's going to be special. And when he was drafted, I was really high on him and was a little disappointed he didn't get a lot of playing time. But it yeah. was cool uh, that uh, he got kind of a year to develop, and now he's seeing tons of playing time, and 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 uh, he's really paying off in a big way. Yeah, I didn't play much last year. Um, this year looks pretty good. Looks like you know Ryan Pace can find those guys in the late rounds. It's the uh, it's the early round guys that give him trouble. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. You know, back injuries, or you know, exactly. he's got to trade up and spend you know draft pick. I wish he'd trade back a little bit more often than he does. He always trades up, you know, and seems to overpay a little bit, but uh, Matt Nagy hurts my head. Although I just, I cannot <laughs> listen to that guy. Oh, I, it's like, I have to decipher a foreign language. I don't Danny probably feels the same way. I just, I've I had enough of him two years ago. Now it's like, then mm -hmm. I, I started this year. I was like, I'm tuning that motherfucker out, you know, just uh, <laughs> not listening. But after this game, I had to go back and listen, you know, because they mm -hmm. won. I had to see, but I, th I think he's painted himself into a corner, you mm -hmm. know, as far as like, uh, you know, he Andy, really has. He has. A Andy Dalton is the one, you know, number one, Justin's number two, Nick's number three. Now, mm -hmm. if uh, Andy Dalton can't play this coming week against the Raiders, Justin goes out there, throws for 300 yards and three touchdowns. What's he going to say? He's, I know he says, we as a coaching staff decide. I heard him say that in your little, uh, 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 presentation there the the montage uh well, what's, no what's you he's the head happen? coach he decides yeah, well, what will right? happen to is that he's gonna throw andy dalton down the stairs yeah he had a, <laughs> uh, his knee has really flared up again so we, we got problems he's gonna be away for a while <laughs> look at the rabbits andy look at the rabbits <laughs> right <laughs> me this while we were on the air here tell us what this is here the Chicago <laughs> this is where we at okay the the top losing embarrassing fashion that was against the browns mm -hmm. and everybody called for matt Nagy to get fired remember last, last week i said we're in this cycle you know you and i've seen it before although being oh, yeah. long, long time bears fans the call mm -hmm. then we call for the head coach to get fired then a, a crappy team comes into town and we beat up on them and everything's back to normal until we lose again that's the <laughs> bears fan cycle that is good. That is good. Where'd Dan go? <laughs> Dan, you're around? I'm uh, just listening. I'm oh. listening. Yeah, I'm here. <laughs> yeah, he, he's painting himself into a corner Because Tooch said he hated listening uh, to Nagy, and I definitely agree with that. Would you rather listen to a Matt Nagy press conference or John Fox? I think I'd John rather listen Fox to press conferences. <laughs> awful. <laughs> I would definitely prefer to listen to a Matt Nagy press conference over John Fox. And yeah, okay. I know people, I know a lot of people don't agree with that because I posted something on Twitter saying uh, head coaches, yeah. Bears head coaches that I would like to have a, a beer with or dinner with or whatever. Number one was George Hallis. Number two was Mike Ditka. And then I, I jumped to the bottom of the list and I, I had uh, Matt Nagy and um, uh, who was, who was uh, last on my list. Um, um, I forgot, but a lot. Of, oh, it was John Lonnie? Fox. It was John Fox, <laughs> and so oh. a lot of people were like, "Are you crazy?" You know, uh, 
What about Tressman? I wouldn't want to have – at least with Tressman, you could talk offense. I mean, he really knew offense good and offensive concepts. I'm a big fan of Bill Walsh, and, and Tressman went to that Bill Walsh school of yeah. coaching. So I pick his brain a lot on, on all those West Coast offense concepts. But John Fox, he, has, he never said anything interesting other than that one story that he relayed about his cat – dying that they tied him up on the porch and the cat tried was that to- a cat i thought it was a different kind of oh, it was a monkey it was, it was a monkey yeah he's that monkey and he but no he said his feet were it was a monkey it, the monkey's name was, was dowel and he was not a special teams coordinator not an offensive coordinator right. not a defensive coordinator but he coordinated all three yep and, Laz yeah, is and he right. was the math major. Laz is right. Give me a, a Mike Ditka press conference any day, even when he was, you know, ir- irritable and just went, next question, next question. That was TV gold, man. <laughs> the best Ditka one was, I think he was a saint. And they were going off like, Mike, are you okay? He's like, why the fuck do you care? Because <laughs> they were like, just put put off by how negative he was being. Yes. You know, next question. And brother, Mike, are you all right? Are you well? He's like, <laughs> Why, why the fuck do you care? Next question. Uh, see, people in the, in, in the uh, chat room are, are giving kudos to John Fox. I don't get it, man. Don't you guys remember what a miserable fuck that guy was? It's recently winning with Nagy. They're, yeah, they're, they're tortured. They're getting tortured by Nagy. They're longing for you know maybe a lesser torture. Yep, but I do agree with Laz. It is come to a point now where. Nagy is is a national punching bag. He's a, he's a punchline. It's embarrassing, and uh, the only way I mean that press conference again. I, I keep I, I'll never forget that press conference. That was the most embarrassing press conference in Chicago Bears history since the time that Michael McCaskey had to go in and explain the whole Dave McGinnis. Isn't really the head coach after I said he was the uh, head coach press conference. And uh, he uh, he was he, I think I think Virginia took him into the shed and spanked the shit out of him. I mean, we've had some <laughs> bad press conference. The, the announcement of Dick Duran as the head coach of the Chicago Bears. He looked like a deer in headlights. He was like looking at the camera like this. And he looked terrified. It's just been some really, really odd press conferences. But Mike Ditka's press conferences, man, that was money, baby. That was money. I, Aldo, you should check your phone. I sent you some of Nick Foles' baby pictures. Yeah, I saw that. Let me see if I can uh, put that up for people to see. <laughs> this is uh, Nick Foles at a very young age. <laughs> <Big> <laughs> Oh god, that's so funny. And let's keep in mind, this is a fake photo that was sent to me. It's not a real child photo. Okay, good. Okay? I'm so really It's not a real child's photo, so it's there's nothing nefarious or illegal about the picture. Just, yes. It was clearly photoshopped. Thank you for saying uh, that. Are, are we all in agreement that that was Bill Laser calling plays Sunday? Oh, without a doubt. I mean, even Nagy because the it, offense uh, worked. I mean, that was yeah. that's the giveaway. The offense worked, right? And in that mashup, I did. You know, uh, uh, Olin Krutz was critical of Matt Nagy giving credit to the offensive line and then taking it away. But in that soundbite, what Nagy was was trying to get across is that the tight ends did a great job of blocking, and that is true. When I went back and listened to uh, the uh, watched the broadcast copy, yeah. And uh, there was a guy on Twitter, 
and I'm I, I can't remember his name. It's something like B Skulls. He did frame grabs of Cole Komet's blocking on that first drive, and I'm going to ask Dan uh, uh, Danny Shimon to grab some of that for video. So for on um, Bear Truth, our tape review show, we're going to show that at least Cole Komet is blocking really, really well. He was used as an extra tackle. We want to see him make some catches. We want to see him, you know do some of the things that George Kittle does. But from a, a, a blocking standpoint, boy, oh, boy, he had a really good game. And, in fact, all the tight ends really helped out with the blocking a lot in that game. So that's good news. Did. I, I don't think Matt Nagy would ever give Bill Lazor the credit, you know, for great play calling because eventually mm-hmm. he's planning on taking that play, play calling book back. You know it. Well, and then there was that other clip, and somebody uh, gave me a, a shout out on that Zoom in that I did on uh, on Nagy when he was talking about. It, it was like uh, the question was, you know, you just have gone through a really tough week. What what has it been like? You know, people are calling for your heads and so forth. And Nagy was, you know, yeah, it's all part of the business. And during that process, you know who your friends are. You know who, you know, from the coaches and players and and other people. You know who's with you, who's not with you. And so immediately I start thinking, Laser and him are going at it. Because Laser has thrown him under the bus a couple times in the last two press conferences. So I'm wondering, maybe he begrudgingly gave Bill Laser credit because he's pissed off at Bill Laser because the, Bill Laser said Justin Fields is ready to be the number one quarterback. And that goes totally against what Nagy has been saying. And because Laser also talked about the play calling and, you know, if it was me, I do things differently and so forth. And so maybe that is what's going on at Hallis Hall, a power struggle between the offensive coordinator and the head coach. Wouldn't that be cool? Orders coming, orders coming down from above, maybe. Mm-hmm. You know, Matt, why don't you focus on the game? Let yeah. the play, let your offensive coordinator focus maybe, on calling the plays. But. Maybe Nagy caught Steve Laser and Ryan Pace having dinner at or having <laughs> dinner or lunch at and, the cafeteria. Uh, Ryan Pace's <laughs> wife got along great with Bill Laser's wife. Oh, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> That'll do it. <laughs> uh, but I, I mean. Hey. I tell you though, if, uh, if Matt Nagy, I don't think he he, I don't think he's that self aware, you know, to know that like it's not going great, you know, as far as his play calling, you know. Mm-hmm. I just think he, I just he, he might just be the kind of guy that thinks, hey, I'm gonna get this eventually. I just got to keep working at it. You know? Right, right. <laughs> the people around him, you know, probably like you said, talking behind his back, going, "Boy, I wish." You know, he'd give up the play calling. He's, he's a head, you're a head coach, you know? Focus Dan, on being a head coach. Dan, do you foresee Nagy taking back the play calling menu? God. I, <laughs> you mean this season, right? Yeah, yeah. Probably if it's up to him. But maybe his boss is technically Ryan Pace. Maybe Pace is like, you know, Matt, we're good. Things are going well. Let's, you know, how he sounds like he's like a surfer or something. I don't know, but it's 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 sort of country, but sort of not. Uh, he always sounds sort of like a stoner. Uh, I don't know. I can't get it right, but but Pace's inflection, I could, I could see him telling him like, you know, Matt, I think we're really fired up right now by having Bill Laser call the plays. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's the only thing that's going to stop him, right? 
Yeah. If he has a say in it, he'll be calling the plays against the uh, Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. I he'll be like, I don't know. David Montgomery's out uh, four to six weeks, so I think I should be calling the plays. Well, uh, there's a question. I'm ready. There's a question in the chat room. Is it possible Nagy's fired and Laser is hired? What do you guys think about that? Oh, uh, that's a wet fucking dream. <laughs> yeah, too good to be true. <laughs> you know how I'll we know you- it was Laser too? Is they ran the ball. Uh-huh. Montgomery got more than nine carries. You know, mm-hmm. he had like 20, what, 21 carries when he got hurt? It was beautiful. Yeah. They had a total yeah. of 36 carries in the game. And in the, in the press conference, Matt Nagy is like a light bulb. I put the light bulb video on in, in, the, uh, in the shot. It's like he just got this, you know, epiphany. You can, can run, run the ball. You can win that way too. He said. Huge <laughs> thumbs down to Fox for not showing the play. They were like, it's just too gruesome. Come on, man. Joe Theismann's play got re-aired on ABC's Monday Night Football. Alex Smith's play in 2018 was re-aired. Mm-hmm. I want to yeah. see what happened. Tim Brumry. We, we couldn't see it while we were there, and we you can't see it on the TV copy from the first angle that they show. The only angle they show. Maybe the all 22 will. I don't know, but I don't have Game Pass. I can get that for you. Well, I don't want to sound like a fucking freeloader, but I, <laughs> I wouldn't mind watching it if if uh, they show that. I just uh, what the prognosis is four to six weeks. Is that right? Correct. So plus we'll have a buy in there somewhere. So maybe he misses a month. So, and you know that's something else that we should uh, say on that uh, the WGN post game. Ed O'Bradovich was going off saying uh, that in like with knee injuries, he says you can get more injured trying to walk it off than you were when you sustained the hit. He said, if the bears were fucking had any intelligence at all, they would have carted him to protect him from himself. He gets it. You know, you want to show everybody you can walk and that you're tough, but he's like, this is your investment. I thought the same thing when I saw him walking out and he was in obvious pain. It's like, we we're all taught at your early age that you're in a car accident. You don't touch the victim because you could really fuck up their back or make the injury worse, or whatever. And that poor guy, <laughs> they, they just force him to walk. It's like in the old days of football, you got injured and they would just drag you off the field. That's that's the sense that I got when I saw <laughs> poor David Montgomery, uh, uh, you know, in such pain walking off the field. That's so fucking stupid. all right guys i want to play a video for you um we were um we were at uh, miller's pub and ale on harlem uh, avenue in um in norwich illinois saturday night uh dan and brandy and john santucci and his family and King Pookie Nation was there. Yeah. Alberto. Alberto. Alberto yeah. Alvarez. And uh, we decided to play a little uh, stump Dan Aguirre. So we asked him trivia questions. And so I, I captured some of them on video. And this is. There were a bunch before you started recording. Yes, there were. And so that's right, because you, get, you had got all of those correct. And then once I started recording, I was able to stump you once or twice. 
I got him eventually with a with a testicle reference. I thought he for sure he would get that one. But that's right. We'll, we'll talk about that. <laughs> that was before my time, though. Honestly. We'll talk about the testicle injury uh, at, on the other end of this. Here it goes. Hey Dan, what year was Doug Flutie with the Chicago Bears? The Bears traded a third round pick to acquire Doug Flutie in 1986. Uh, he hung around to early 87, but the Bears had drafted Jim Harbaugh. They still had Steve Fuller, who got cut, but they eventually they had McMahon, uh, Harbaugh, Fuller, Tom Zach. So, yeah, anyway, Flutie didn't make it to the roster in 87. So he was only there at the end of 86 through camp in 87 with the Bears. By 88, he was with the Patriots beating us in McMahon's last start ever in New England. A game that Phil was at, allegedly. Who was the Bears' backup quarterback in 1988? All right, let's find out. Dan you're being asked, who was the Bears' backup quarterback in 1988? Mike Tomzak. Tomzak! Tomzak! When was, this is a tough one, Dan, you're not going to get this. If it's in the early 70s, I won't get it. Okay. When was the last time the Chicago Bears had a fullback on their roster? Not a U-back or an H-back, a real true fullback. I'm going to say Jason McKee, just off the top of my head. Oh, you're wrong. I got you. Okay, I stumped okay. you. There you go. Who is it? Uh, Burton. Remember? Uh, oh, Michael Burton. Yeah. <laughs> Phil favorite. hated him. <laughs> Dropped out to Phil's favorite fullback. Oh, oh. When was the last year the Bears had cheerleaders, and why don't they have them 1985. now? Uh, our last Super Bowl win, our only Super Bowl win, because Virginia McCaskey thought they were downright rotten. I don't know what it works for. <laughs> she didn't like them, though. What was the name of the uh, cheerleaders that were uh, uh, for William Perry? The Frigettes? I can't remember the exact ah, title. I think it was called the Frigidaires. Uh. <laughs> I'm not sure I'm right on that. So if anybody in the chat room knows, John, do you know the, what was the name of the William Perry cheerleaders back then? I don't remember. Frigette sounds like it might that might be correct though. Yeah, maybe. So maybe you got that one right, Dan. I, I don't know. We'll have to look that up. But uh, <laughs> that's, just, that's just a the Honey Bears were the official. Four Thousand Clover says Honey Bears. Yeah, that was the official yep. cheerleader group. But uh, William Perry had uh, five cheerleaders, beautiful, zaftig, uh, corpulent women as, as cheerleaders. Refrigerettes. Refrigerettes, huh? Yeah, so, I looked it up on the uh, Chicago Sun-Times did an article on them. Yeah, so you were right, right? I yeah. said the frigettes. I didn't put the RE on it. Well, you were closer than, than I was, so I'll give you that one. We only got you on the Burton one. Um, but I want to ask people in the chat room, you got a question for Dan, we can pose it to him tonight and see if you can stump him. Um, what are the parameters here, Dan? Do you want to go through like a certain time period? Yeah, yeah. Basically, I know some 70s because I've gone back and watched them mm -hmm. uh, the best I could in that era. But anything before 77, there's just no footage of it for me. Right. So for me, I don't want to say expert because I'm no expert. I mean, I'm just a guy. Mm -hmm. uh, but Mike did get through Matt Nagy is like what you would consider like sort of my wheelhouse. All right. So uh, fire away in the chat room and Dan has promised. Uh, I'm assuming that Dan has promised that he's not going to go on Google and get the answer. Dan no, has no. I give you my word. If I don't know it, I'll tell you. I mean, yeah. there's I, 
like uh, again i mentioned the other night shane uh got me on um what uh hunter hillenmeyer's number was that's when, right. uh, the first time i was ever on your network but i did get the other one i was asked who were the last who was the last person prior to Erlacher to be number 54 and that was ricardo mcdonald so okay. at least i got that one well, hillenmeyer was 92 wasn't he yeah, yeah, I know. I, I just I froze when he asked me that live, though. <laughs> yeah, my uh, my, John, my I, was, I was just gonna say real quickly. Why don't you share the story about the time? right? Aldo got it. I I uh, I, I had confused uh, Revi Sori and Virgil Livers, mm -hmm. and uh, Revi Sori was an offensive lineman for the Bears in the seventies, and uh, Virgil Livers was a cornerback who uh, suffered an injury in a game that cost him his testicle. I thought Dan might for sure know it because it was about testicles. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry. I, I didn't know. <laughs> and so, it was, uh, he lost his testicle the night his wife gave birth to one of their children. Right. Is that the story? Aldo. I'm sorry. Say again. Oh yeah. 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 He, he had his testicle removed the night, the same night his wife gave birth that's to right. one of their children. <laughs> his last child <laughs> tonight in bears history. <laughs> Let's see, Don Burr has a question. Uh, Dan, is uh, Kelvin White, he meant Kevin White, best Bears wide receiver ever, and is Cody Parker the best kicker ever? That's Don Burr from Detroit. Uh, come on. I gave <laughs> credit earlier. I, I acknowledged how good Herman Moore was. Obviously, Barry Sanders and uh, and uh, our, our guy, Eric Kramer, uh, won your playoff game for you. So come on, man. I, I get it. I get it. He's busting balls, but come on. <laughs> John, you got a trivia question for uh, Dan? Do you want to try to stump him? Because no, I but I I, I, I want to share a Norm McDonald joke. I didn't get. I forgot to share. Okay. Uh, uh, when we were talking about when 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 Norm McDonald passed away, mm -hmm. you know. So let me know when you want me to share the. Uh, Go ahead, share that now while we get some people in the in the chat uh, getting their questions get the together. Fight. Right. All right. Well, Norm McDonald used to tell us joke. He tells a lot better than I did, but. Uh, a moth walks into a podiatrist's office and says, uh, hey, doc, you know, I'm, I'm having all these troubles in my life. My life is so terrible. You know, I'm, I'm depressed and everything's going wrong. I lost my job. And uh, the podiatrist says, well, this is all very interesting. I think you need a psych. I think you need to see a psychiatrist. And the moth says, well, yes, that'd be great. I think uh, I should see a psychiatrist. And the podiatrist says, Tell me one thing. Why did you come see a podiatrist to talk about your problems? Ma says, your light was on. Uh, That's no, it. No, Norm McDonald does say it better. He does. He, does, he definitely tells it better than me. <laughs> All right. We, we got a question here. Um, this is from Stephen Mee. Can Dan name three Bears quarterbacks that also played quarterback in the Canadian, mm, good question. Football. That's an excellent mm, question, Stephen. See it well, Doug. I know one. Yeah, there's two. Uh, Peter Tom Willis. No, no, hold on. Let me, let me, let me retract that. I think he went to the Arena League. So hold on. I'm going with uh, Doug Flutie, and Vince Evans went to the USFL. Mm -hmm. uh, I think Doug went there too. But who else would have gone to the CFL? Hmm. Um, I could see Henry Burris doing that yeah, for some reason. That's that's number two, right there. That is, that is correct. I'm going to go with Burris and Flutie. I need to come up with a third. Who else was in the CFL? Hmm. 
Yeah, it's that there third one that I'm getting lost in there too. Hmm. Hmm. Aldo knows that he's it giving them because hmm. I'm going. To what era? Who <laughs> I'm asking for? What decade did he play with the Bears? Just what decade? What ten-year period? Um. Let's see. Uh, you got Henry Burris correct. Flutie is correct. And we're waiting for um, a clue on the third one. So, Just what decade he was He was a bear. That's all I'm asking. Yeah. Give us a decade and uh, hmm. Dan will nail this. People are guessing. Well, I don't know. I don't watch the CFL, so I don't know if I'll nail it or not. It's uh, interesting. Maybe Steven doesn't even know. <laughs> but uh, Eduardo Miguel is guessing Moses Moreno. I thought uh, of that too, but I don't think he played in the CFL. Unless he, maybe he did. Maybe he did. I think he might have gone to the CFL after Bears. How did we get him and where did he go? It's like he played one game in 98 and no one's ever heard of 19, him since. 1974, Stephen Mee says. Oh, it's 74. I wasn't watching yet. Yeah, but still. I wasn't alive yet. Doesn't matter. You know who won. The I said Mike Ditka through the, the, the parameters are Mike Ditka through Matt Nagy, though. Uh, Mike Ditka started in 82. It's Larry Rackstraw. See, I, I I don't even know who that is. Get out of watch, town. You I can't know. watch Bear games from 74. I, I can watch playoff games from 74, the Super Bowl, mm -hmm. but no Bear games are available before 77. Mm -hmm. All right, well, <laughs> you, you still should have got it. I'm, I'm very disappointed in you, Dan. <laughs> I no, think Moses Moreno might have gone to the CFL after he didn't make it with the Bears, but... Moses Marino works at the Lou Malnati's Pizzeria. Get, get out <laughs> no, of here. <really>? Just kidding. <laughs> Matt Nagy and he can work together at McDonald's. <laughs> you know, I, I have not seen that entire McDonald's spot, but it was on while we were uh, doing a show recently. So I'm watching the, just the visuals. And so he apparently is recruiting for McDonald's crew people and, and restaurant managers, which is so odd that McDonald's would choose a coach who his job coming into the season, we, everybody knew Matt Nagy's job was in jeopardy. And so why would you hire him? If anybody, if you're going to hire a Chicago coach or manager, Billy Donovan, yeah. Bulls, um, even Tony La Russa, you know, because you know he's going to be around just a year or two. And the old guy, you know, as maybe as they had a sense of humor and was like, we know this guy's probably going to be working for us soon. So. Yeah. They wanted him to see how good he looked in the uniform. <laughs> That's right. Um, he, Bear Truth Nine is sticking up for you. He said, uh, Aldo, he made it clear nothing before 1977. All right, Bear Truth Nine, give us a trivia question. Um, I got I got one. So who was the backup quarterback in 1980? 1980. Uh, well, again, it's some of the season Vince Evans started, but some of the season Avellini started. Mm -hmm. I guess Mike Phipps is still there too. Mm -hmm. So I don't know what week we're talking about. Uh, that's your roster, though, uh, as far as I recall, is Phipps. Evans and Avellini. All right. Well, who do you think started more games hmm. from that oh. trio? I'm going to go with Evans. He started the majority of the ones I've seen from 1980. That is correct. And in fact, it was uh, Evans starting 10 games and Mike Phipps starting six games. I don't think Avellini was on the roster, to be honest with you. 
Evans went to play a, had a pretty good career with yeah, the Raiders. The middle, the middle of 84, Avellini. Yeah, I'm not seeing him. Like Maybe he was hurt. Players. Maybe he got hurt in the preseason or something. Perhaps. We did see he got cut of- after the Seahawks game in 84. Mm-hmm. Ditka said, I've seen enough of this fucker. He's gone. <laughs> PJ wants to know if you can name every first round draft pick since 1986. That's a difficult Absolutely one. not. <laughs> uh, I I tap out on that immediately. No. <laughs> Steven, I thought we uh we got the third one correct. Uh Steven Steven is asking if we've given up on his question. So who was number three? Because he got the first two correct. It wasn't Larry Rackstraw. Silence. I don't even remember I don't Larry Rackstraw. I don't know the answer to that. <laughs> All right, well, this whole bit really bombed. <laughs> I'm sorry. The Bears well, last, last last more questions. I don't have any more questions. This was just ad-libbed. Again, I answered the 1981, but my goal was from Mike Ditka through Matt Nagy. That's 1982 through present. Mm-hmm. So the 80 question, although I gave a swing, took a swing at, and got it right, but mm-hmm. uh, that's still not within the parameters of what I was hoping for. Yeah. All right. Well, what else do you guys want to talk about? <laughs> well, we want to come with a TV copy, but I was hoping to like, do this now. You got me fired up about the, the question thing. But, but okay, we can we can audible. All right. I'm well, not Matt Nagy. We can change the game plan. <laughs> All right. Go for it, brother. <laughs> All right. Well, you want to talk the TV copy, the differences from our perception at the game versus watching it on Fox? Yeah, that sounds good. Okay, you want me to start? Please. Well, I was, I mentioned sort of this earlier. I was, it just made me even more down on Eddie Jackson mm-hmm. and maybe, you know, someone else will watch a tape and say that that exposes me as a fraud because I should see it's Dion Bush's fault or something. But to me, it looked like it was Eddie Jackson's fault on that same play that Cleveland ran against us too. There were a couple of times where I saw he could have come in and made a hit and, um, it just kind of stood there. I, man, he reminds me. It's like he is like he makes Deion Sanders when he was a, a cowboy look like Dick Butkus. Mm-hmm. That's how much he does not like contact. He is a a fighter that is if he's a boxer, he's at the end of his day where he doesn't like to get punched anymore, like Ali in '81 or something. Mm-hmm. This yeah, guy does not like to be physical. And I, I'm not saying that I want to be hit or punched or be physical, but I'm not getting paid an enormous amount of money to be physical in the national football league for the Chicago bears. Mm-hmm. And he is. So the safeties still concern me. Honestly, the nickels still bother me too. Johnson is playing, you know, well from what I can gather, but I know Duke Shelley had a fairly good game, but I'm still worried about him against green Bay. I I've never been a fan of Vildor, uh, but hopefully I'm proven wrong on that. Uh, but to be more specific uh, with the TV copy, I, I guess I couldn't tell they were necessarily running the, the two tight end formation until we, I saw it on TV. I didn't really notice that when we were live. And that was uh, obviously, I like that game plan because, you know, if your line is struggling, you know, let's bring some help in, you know, to help run that ball. That's what they were doing. And now I feel like I'm rambling because no one else is saying it. <laughs> those are just a few observations that I had watching it. And, uh, with Hakeem Talib and Gus Johnson, we we said this before the game. Uh, I told you the Gus Gus used to be with CBS, right? And he was becoming he was an up and coming guy. He had gone from like the worst game of the week 
to like the third or fourth best. But then he left uh, to go to Fox Sports so he could be their premier college football guy. Mm -hmm. And this is the first season they've utilized him on NFL. And he used to annoy the shit out of me because he always would make every play about him. It's like it was like Matt Nagy doing the game, you know? And But I I have to admit, I was pleasantly surprised that Gus did a, a tremendous job on Sunday. And I agree. Even though Akeem Tlaib sounds like he's pandering to a couple of dudes back home and he can't speak clearly, uh, I didn't think he was that bad on Sunday either. I so thought I thought he, I was I pleasantly was surprised awful. how much I enjoyed it. I thought Tlaib was awful. He didn't offer any... Uh, analysis, any color to... His- well, he did with Roquan, for example. He said that Roquan is even better in the zone versus man-to-man. He's like, he's still good man-to-man, but he can excel in a zone. Big fucking deal. That's... that's And, and he repeated it like two or three times because he didn't have anything else to add to that. It, it, to me, I thought that was a one of his weak observations. It's, it's valid to make that opinion because i'm not sure i quite agree with him uh the, the uh what's his name uh asked him who what what is he better at uh, uh who is who can he guard tj hawkinson is basically what he asked him and he didn't answer the question he didn't he didn't say you know roquan smith is going to have a hard time guarding tj hawkinson or roquan smith is so fast he can easily guard him one-on-one kind of he kind of gave a stock answer yeah he's better at zone than at man-to-man but he didn't answer the question to me i, I thought that was kind of weak hmm. anyways we got back do we got trivia questions <laughs> who was the Bears tight end in 2004 2004, we had Desmond Clark. We had signed him in 03. Yeah. De- Des was there until 10 mm-hmm. through the 2010 season. Who was the uh, last Bears offensive line player that made the Pro Bowl other than Daniels or Whitehair? That's a good one. That's Charles good one. Leno? Yeah. That is correct. Yep. No, And nobody would have guessed that. Everybody was high when they voted for Charles Leno. <laughs> he had a good season in 2018. He did do well in 18. Uh, and that's about it for that. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> the, the game was fun to watch on TV, though. I, I thought uh, it just I, – I, again, I, I thought that if it made me worry more about the defense. I didn't feel that when I was watching the game there because I'm just sort of – running on adrenaline and emotion of, of seeing the turnovers and stuff and, and the sacks. Cause they had what, four or five sacks. Mm-hmm. And you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And the turnovers and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, but the fact that they're letting Detroit go straight down the field is disconcerting. And, and I think it is a valid point to suggest that another team with a better quarterback, somebody in Wisconsin, they're not going to miss those throws. Mm-hmm. And they're definitely not going to just go for it on four down all the time when it behooves you to kick. Mm. So I don't know, man. It kind of stressed me out a little bit in that regard. And I'm watching it because I, I thought the Bears had played. Uh, it got a little close in the fourth quarter. And that's why we were being critical of people that were leaving, like thinking it was over. Like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> this game is still up in, in the balance here. But. You know, uh, it's still. I thought that the Bears were better than what they were when I watched it. I mean, maybe the turnovers can cover up for the Ben don't break shit, but 
Well, how about you all? Is, am I just on an island here alone? I mean, the defense obviously played well enough to win because of all the splash plays, but it, are you bothered by the fact that Detroit just kept, as Hank Stram said, matriculating the ball down the field? Well, it's going to be worse against the Raiders next week. <laughs> you know, I mean, they, they're playing at a high level with their passing game, you know, so, uh, I mean, the Alliance can move the ball. They have a competent quarterback. He's not terrible. I know a lot of people hate him. He made some plays on Sunday. Uh, they have some decent receivers for no name. I saw Raymond had two touchdowns, and Cephas was uh, making a lot of catches. And then, of course, they've got the big tight end. Uh, but uh, the Raiders have a lot of different weapons. You know, Darren Waller is – he is – uh, nearly he's he's almost as good as Travis Kelsey at the tight end position he's gonna be tough I don't know how you're gonna cover him you know you're gonna have to double him and then uh Henry Ruggs has got a lot of speed so uh they got their work cut out for him the Raiders are coming off a stinging loss against the Chargers uh I don't know I can the Bears win sure you know, if uh, Fields uh, is able to light it up like he did this past weekend, he made a lot of plays, man, uh, with his legs. And, uh, you know, uh, without David Montgomery, that's going to hurt the offense. Yeah, hopefully Damian Williams is able to start and be effective because he was looking impressive even prior to Montgomery's injury. Mm-hmm. So I, I, Aldo and I talked about that in the stands. We're like, man, Williams is taking advantage of his opportunities today because he kind of didn't get much against – uh, uh, Cleveland the week before, if he did, it was just way out of hand and he didn't do much against Cincinnati. He had more playing time against the Rams, but in week four, you know, especially after Montgomery went out and he, you know, he got to carry the load and then he himself got hurt too. So yep. he looked good. So I'm hoping he can stay there. He's good in the screen game. Uh, I don't know if he's a bruiser up the middle, up the middle, like Montgomery could be, but We'll see. I would feel better about him back there than I would any of the other potential guys that we were going to be giving the, the ball to. I can't get used to those. Williams wears number yeah, eight. Yeah, number eight is the running back by you know, I'm just like, who is that? You know, is that Rex like, Grossman? What the fuck is that? <laughs> it's Cade McNown running the it's ball. It's Mike Glennon. <laughs> right. It's Maury Buford. I'm sorry. It's all. Uh, it's Vince Evans. Those are all the number eights I know. I'm just hoping that it's not. We're not getting back into that cycle where you know, we're back up at the top with a bad loss to the Raiders. You know, and then Matt Nagy will be called for the firing, and then yeah, oh, I, I forget who's after the Raiders game. Green Bay. Is it Green? Yeah. It's it's just going to get uh, worse. You weren't on with us Sunday, uh, too, because I've right. haven't seen the game yet. I was driving home from right. Illinois. One of the things that I brought up uh, on Sunday, and it's worth mentioning here, because you know coaches, especially when Lovey was here, they, they talk up things that are separate from X's and O's, like, well, this person says we can't win, the, the press is, you know, things like that. Uh, after the Raiders game in London, which really exposed Nagy for the first time, I thought, yeah. and, uh, and showed that the defense and Mitch and Werner's what, weren't what we thought they were, to paraphrase Dennis Green. After that game, John Gruden openly mocked Matt Nagy and started disco. Day. He's like, I don't have a disco ball, but he acted like he was dancing and stuff and was mocking the Bears because of that club dub shit, which at that point had already become a little bit of a joke. 
anyway across the league. Mm -hmm. uh, so, yeah, you got that added animosity. You know Nagy knows that. You know the Bears know that. that the, the Raiders fucking pounded our ass in London, uh, beat us up physically, hurt Akeem Higgs, and then mocked us after the game with their fucking disco dancing shit. Mm -hmm. So I think that the, the Bears have to use that. You, you got to use anything you can. You know, to get motivated. And I, I, if Matt Nagy doesn't touch that, then he's an idiot even more so than I thought. Because a lot of the, the Bears yeah. that are on that defense that have pride, most of them were here. At least the critical players mm -hmm. yep. were there on that 19 team. I mean, you've got people you know, that have been added on in the secondary and such, but the, the, the nucleus of that defense is still here. Mm -hmm. So you got to use that to motivate you. I mean... The Raiders do have two really good pass rushers, like Stephen Nagishi said, Max Crosby and Yannick Ngakwe. They've been mm -hmm. getting after the quarterback. So uh, with the Bears' injuries at tackle, you know, that's something to watch next Sunday. Uh, but that club dub team, man, that was the roster that John Fox and Pace built that won all those games. Not so much Matt Nagy. At least that's my. Well, opinion. he was doing all the dancing and stuff. No, and I, yeah, I understand that. But all the game, all the games that won, that was you know, John Fox built that roster with you know the leaders he wanted. Emphasis on leadership, the players that they brought in in free agency and the players that they drafted, you know, and that if Fox was still coaching the team, they probably would have been twelve and four. Also, I don't think it, Matt Nagy gave him any extra wins that year. It just seemed like he had, you know, you could say it's because the Mitch was, you know, inexperienced in the offense and they were struggling or whatever, but he compensated for things so well. And, you know, whether it was gimmicky stuff or whatever, but it just felt like he always had an answer in 2018. And plus he had the fun stuff like, you know, Akeem Hicks getting the refrigerator call, calling it freezer left and all this he just he really did seem creative in 2018, even if he ran that fucking Trey Burton little shovel pass up the middle over and over and over. But beyond that, I mean, it just seemed like he really was at least not a genius, but okay, maybe we can buy into this guru thing and it's going to get even better. And it just got worse and worse and worse. So I, I don't know. It looked like he he had some promise in 18, at least from my seat. Well, the word is is that he he did a lot of those gimmicks because he knew Trubisky was not ready to uh, handle the full playbook, and so they had to generate some kind of offense. Uh, by the way, Stephen Me has finally given us the three quarterbacks, and he probably did it earlier. I apologize, I missed it in the chat. The three quarterbacks who were in the CFL Bears quarterbacks: Flutie, Burris, and Joe Barnes. Nineteen. I don't know who Joe Barnes is. Um, but anyway, that's it. Um, so he, uh, Nagy was trying to, uh, uh, conceal Trubisky's, uh, lack of knowledge of the complete playbook and his deficiencies as a quarterback. And so that's why he came up with all of these, these trick plays. If you remember back to that Rams game uh, on Sunday night, you know, um, Trubisky was coming back from a, from an injury where he had missed two games. And so he really looked terrible. Uh, so right. in order to, you know, score some points, 
came up with a Santa sleigh bell play or whatever the hell it was. Santa's sleigh. Santa's sleigh. So, uh, and so since then he has been kind of, he, he force fed Mitch Trubisky, the, the plays, you know, to try to make him a pocket quarterback not at all relying on his strengths of rolling out and some of the other things that Trubisky can do well. Uh, he wanted to make him the quarterback that Matt Nagy has always wanted to be. In Sound NFL. like fields in Cleveland, huh? Yeah, that's right. So, um, I, you know, Chubb says I, that he thinks Nagy sabotaged uh, Mitch Trubisky. You guys agree with that? He's definitely part of the problem. Maybe not purposefully because I don't think Matt Nagy's that intelligent. <laughs> yeah, I don't think he he would purposely try to sabotage right. Mr. Trubisky. I think it's yeah. just the stubbornness, his narcissism. And inadvertently, that, he, yeah. Yeah, he was part of the offensive struggling. There's no way around it. I mean, it's your yeah. job to coach him up. Right. If you mean by the crappy plays he called sabotage Mitch, then yes. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, uh, but intentionally, I don't think so because, yeah. you know, he he wants to have a reputation as a quarterback whisperer, as, as a guy who could take, yeah. you know, uh, anybody and, and win. A, Fool's yeah. gold, Aldo. There you go. He Fool's knows gold. he's not – he doesn't have that now. That's why we, we heard all that shit about me, 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 me yeah. in the press conference. Mm -hmm. Ridiculous. It's trying to get that narrative back. I totally, totally agree. That was uh, a sign of a very insecure person. I know hindsight is twenty twenty, but imagine if Matt Nagy, when he took the job, if he just had been a head coach instead of trying to wear both hats. Mm -hmm. You know, he wouldn't have all this trouble hanging over him. Mm -hmm. Errol Morton says stubbornness equals sabotage. There you go. Well put. I have a trivia question for Dan Aguirre, though. Ooh. All right. When was the last time the Bears beat the Packers? All right, give me a second. <laughs> uh, we got to think about it. Uh, the game that uh, okay. and Aldo went to. to clinch 2018. Yeah, the, in late the season at Soldier Field. Week 16, because um, they played one more game after that in Minnesota. So, yeah, it was, and that was the game Charles Leno got down on one knee and proposed to his now wife. Right. I got blown by a girl named Chelsea after the game. That's another amazing thing about nice. Dan McGuire. If if you bring up a certain game, he can also talk about any sexual event that happened on that day involving himself or near that date. Am I right there, Dan? Sometimes I can remember who I – I usually can remember who I was watching whatever game with, whether it's a Super Bowl or a Bears game. I can remember – who was there at the house that day or whatever. <laughs> and so if that also means a female, yeah, I can generally remember that. Is, is there extra, like, is there extra incentive to have sex on a game day? <laughs> well, that game, I was just so happy that the Bears had finally, they hadn't beaten Green Bay at Soldier Field since 2010. And they beat Rodgers uh, to, to clinch the division. And, you know, Mitch, they were touching on, and the end zone to Burton, and just they look good. Khalil Mack had a fucking sack backwards. Right, that's right, the butt sack. The only thing that was bad is that Eddie Jackson got hurt on the interception. I mean, it just felt that's like right. eyes and limit. This team's going somewhere, you know. So I was euphoric, I guess, and I was like, you know, ask my cousin at the time who 
who is in jail right now because he's an addict and he steals. <laughs> and, uh, but he was lying to me about being, you know, he's like, oh, I've straightened up. I've cleaned my, you know, I was like, well, do you, you got any, getting whores in your phone <laughs> that, uh, that uh, we can invite over, you know, not to be disparaging to females, but the, that's kind of the question that was asked. And, um, and he did. So there you go. <laughs> 4,000 Clovers wants to know, do we think that, uh, Matt Nagy has already lost the locker room. What do you guys think? That's a great question. Mm -hmm. I I can't answer that. I mean, not like I'm trying uh, to just, you know, look at me. I'm so smart, but I I don't know. I don't have any inside information. I felt like after Cleveland, when you, you had Jimmy Graham and, you know, saying the stuff he did on Twitter, that it was maybe it was shifting that way. Mm Mm-hmm. But maybe his ability to give up the play calling and then they have a big win. Maybe there's the players would be like, well, you know, he's doing what's best for the team. So we can't just sit here and beat him up. I mean, even if it's begrudging, he did give up the play calling and we know what that means to him. So we got to give him credit on that. So maybe the players do too. So I I don't know. Well, I I think this, you know, based, I, I think it's pretty easy to surmise that he has lost some of the players and maybe all of them in the locker room. Reason being is you listen to the, listen to the former Chicago Bears players and how they're talking about this guy, especially after that press conference. The fact that they are mocking him, uh, and, you know, Olin Krutz is saying, you know, he gave, Yeah, but these are former Bears that didn't play for him too, though. Yeah, but they, they think like players. They, they think like players. And so you got – even uh, Justin Fields say – I prefer Bill Lazor calling the plays because he's not as excitable as this idiot. You know, of course, yeah. those aren't his words. <laughs> but my, my point is, is that former players know, have a, a much better sense as to what's going on in the locker room than you, me, John, anybody else. They, they, they've been in locker rooms. And so when those guys are openly mocking Matt Nagy, that to me says – that there has to be at least one player in that Bears locker room now who is saying the same thing. And then after that performance, after the game where he begrudgingly gave Bill Lazor credit, I think that there's a hell of a lot more players uh, who are feeling that way. Again, I don't have any insider information, but I can surmise based on the stuff that I've heard. Yeah, I, mean, I had to guess somebody that would be unhappy with it would be fucking Allen Robinson. You don't need insider information. You just read between the lines. uh, The other guy's calling plays. Robinson's catching big balls again. Mm -hmm. He wasn't getting any with this guy. So Mm -hmm. you know that he's like, man, fuck Matt Nagy. He's hurting my checkbook. Mm -hmm. There's certainly a lot of clues. You know, there's uh, uh, Justin Fields, you know, with Bill Lazor's voice is so much more soothing. Matt Nagy must be yelling like his (laughs) hair's on fire into that headset. He doesn't have any hair. Good point. He's, Good yelling point. At, he's yelling at the referee. Come on, yeah. you missed that call. 347.15 left. Yeah, exactly. Come on. That's dude. why you be a head coach instead of both. It's yeah. Ridiculous. I mean, there are head coaches who have successfully handled yeah. both duties of calling plays and being the head coach. But Matt Nagy has never done it. Never done it. He he called six games for the Kansas City Chiefs, and he ruled. And blew the biggest game of the season. Exactly. He was relieved of, of, of calling play duties. Play exactly. Calling duties. Exactly. Yep. And A-Rob t- uh, today, you know, 
he he met with the media and what what a pro he was and the things that he said about Justin Fields and his leadership skills the guy is always cool and the biggest thing he said about Justin Fields is that Fields wants to be great he yep. is determined to be the best and uh and he loves that and so now with Laser calling the plays and and knowing you know what and, and just like uh Rex Ryan said in those that video mashup Protect that quarterback. You can't sack a quarterback on a running play. What a great line that is. You can't – so cause on running plays, which is something Matt Nagy was adverse to. It, it's like it, it would give him, you know, uh, uh, anal pain. By the way, did uh, John, did you hear Sunday show? We learned from that <laughs> Dan Aguirre has never had anal beads up his ass. I heard – I did hear that. Now, I <laughs> have not either. around town, and that's true. <laughs> Hey, but real, real quick, let me also say that the, the the thing that I noticed from watching the TV copy as well, and I, I we mentioned this in the stadium, but they a lot of the game, if not most of the game, Fields was not in the shotgun. That made mm-hmm. me feel so happy. Mm-hmm. Like, goddamn, it would be fourth and a half a yard from the fucking like, half-yard line about to score, like fourth and goal from the half-yard line, and Nagy's going to be in the shotgun. Yep. Like just just have you know regular formation, even if it's the damn pistol or something. But for you know, just just have Montgomery right behind. You know, I love the fact they're running with Fields under center. I think that 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 opens up the game to his bootlegs as well as play action, and it's not as predictable. Right in uh, the Chicago exactly. Times, more no, excuse me, Chicago Tribune. Brad Biggs wrote that out of. Uh, the the shotgun it's much more difficult for a running back to see the field and to get speed as opposed to having the quarterback under center so that was one thing in order to help the run game you needed uh you, you should have your quarterback under center more often secondly it also helps with play action and sucking in those linebackers on play action when you're under center and that that is so effing true and those are things that you do to help a uh, help your running game and also help a young quarterback. So um, this is this is not brain surgery. It, it's just the fact that Matt Nagy is so fucking stubborn. It's it's ridiculous that this guy, after now in his fourth year as head as head coach, a- everything that he is doing is is not helping the team. It's exposing him as a narcissist and a, and an egomaniac. It, it's it's all going in reverse for him. It truly is. <sighs> Chubbs, wants uh, you to know, know one more. Can I say one more thing, real but, quick? But real quickly, uh, Chubbs wants to know who's sucking off the linebackers. <laughs> um, <laughs> Go ahead. Um, we, we, you and I said this at the game too, but watching it on on the the TV copy as well. How big was that fourth down? Uh, first off, whoever decided to get the ball first, whether that's Nagy or Laser, deserves credit. Mm-hmm. Because that's not the the in vogue way to do it in the league now, right? And they got the rookie on the field, got he and Montgomery going, and you know got some confidence. But how big was that fourth down play? If the Bears don't get that there, it feels like the whole feeling of that first quarter is going to be on Detroit's side, momentum wise. Yeah. If not the whole game, I think the whole the whole complexion of the game could have gone differently if the Bears fail right there in that fourth down. Totally. Totally fucking agree. It, yep. It, it's those that the Lions' first three series, they could have easily walked away with points on those first three uh, drives. Uh, and 
the the Bears were fortunate that they were playing an idiot coach. I mean, let's let's uh, it's would be hard for me to pick Matt Nagy over any other coach in the NFL, but I would definitely want him over Dan Campbell. Yeah, I agree. The Lions players play hard for him, though. You know, they they'll they'll beat you up for a while, even though they're not going to get the win. But mm-hmm. they, you know, Dan was saying about the the fourth down play, the Bears won't good won't go down and score. You know, that on that opening drive, but uh, the Lions did that to the Packers two weeks previous. Mm-hmm. You know, they went down there. The first Lions got the ball, went down there and scored. It was seventeen fourteen, Lions at halftime against the Packers, you know, and after that, you know, the Packers shut them out in the second half, but uh, the same thing could have happened to the bears. We could have been down, you know, 14, nothing or 14, seven. Mm-hmm. Dan, have you seen any good movies lately? <laughs> we hit the last 30 minutes. Oh, sorry about that. I had to uh, stand up for a second. I had the, the, the headset off, but I was listening to two to my uh, speakers. Uh, stand by one second. Stand I ran back. back when you came to me, so I was a little bit winded, so I turned the mic off there. Uh, I watched, uh, I, the only thing I got time to watch when I came back, I did watch the episode of FX's impeachment because I was one back. Mm-hmm. Another one aired tonight, which obviously I haven't seen yet. And, um, I watched the bears TV copy. So that's all I've been able to watch. Mm-hmm. As I told you, uh, in voice text earlier, I think I'm going to go to the theater and watch the Sopranos prequel since I shit the bed and fell asleep at your house and, and didn't watch the whole movie, which I'm so ashamed. How, how was it? I haven't seen it yet either. Well, we got through the first 20 minutes, and then I look over to my left, and there's Dan sleeping. And so I said, well, I'll, uh, I'll keep playing, and you know, maybe he'll wake up after a minute or so forth. And then I start like clearing my throat real loud. <laughs> <laughs> and he's still sleeping. And so I figured, hey, I, be- I, better, I better send him to bed. <laughs> he was in the car for 10 hours. Yeah. you know. And, and we then had- I drank beer on top of it. Yeah, you know? that'll yep. do it. <laughs> That's right. You drank. Still, I'm such a pussy. But yeah, what I saw of it, I liked. It looked good. Uh, it looked really, really good. Yeah. It, yeah I'm, I'm the good. same way. Drove home, fell asleep on the couch. The Bears have the late. The, I'm sorry to step on you. I was going to say the Bears have the late kickoff on set on Sunday, so I think uh, during the, the one o'clock games for me, the twelve noon games for you all, I'm probably going to watch the prequel that day at the theater and then come back and watch the Bears afterwards. Mm-hmm. Stephen Me says Sopranos movies, uh, meh. The Many Saints, meh. So he's not a big fan. But I got to tell you, Stephen, it looked good. I mean, first of all, you. You have to have uh, an affinity for the Sopranos TV series because once, as soon as you get into the movie, you are saying, oh, wow, that's his father. Oh, wow, that's his mother. Oh, wow, that's his uncle. And so you're making all of these connections with, you know, the characters that you loved if you loved the, the Sopranos TV series. And then it starts to make the shift into the storyline and uh, and it's a very interesting story about racial tensions during that era and how these mob families were 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 dealing with that and you know and also trying to get a, a bigger piece of the pie among the mob families. So it's a and it's beautifully shot. 
uh, era photography era. I mean, uh, you know, the cars and the fashions and, and the street environments. It just looks really, really good. Uh, so I can't wait to, to finish watching it. I might do it after tonight's show. We'll, we'll see. Yeah, I, I second everything that you said. I, I think some of the criticisms that, and this isn't a spoiler to Tooch, because I mean, I haven't seen the whole movie either, but uh, this is a, a like a 1% spoiler. It's, it, it's focused around Christopher's father. He's the main character. And I think maybe if I was going to criticize anything, I guess I sort of hoped it was more around Johnny Soprano mm -hmm. versus Dickie Moltisanti. But I mean, that's that's really just trying to reach for something to criticize. Mm -hmm. yeah. But I think maybe that's something that I've read on Twitter. People were like, well, really kind of wasn't interested in the Moltisanti story. Mm -hmm. uh, but I sort of liked it. And uh, is it is it too much of a spoiler to acknowledge Christopher in any way? Or I don't no? think so, no. Uh, the, I can never say his name. Michael that played Christopher. Imperioli. Imperioli, Michael Imperioli is doing narration. Mm -hmm. uh, and from the vantage point that he's dead, like he'll say, this is before Tony killed me and shit like that, you know? So uh, I'm so interested to see where that goes the rest of the movie. I liked it, man. I liked having Christopher around, you know? Yeah, I think, you know, and again, I haven't seen the whole movie, but the idea of... Uh, Telling the story from the multi, 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 multi which means many saints. That's right. Uh, interesting. That's right. But telling it from that perspective, I think also casts a, a different look on the dynamic between Tony Soprano and Christopher Multisante. You know, I mean, here's the the kid now who. His father used to be the boss of the crime family. Now he is reporting to Soprano as as the subservient to, to, to Tony Soprano. So maybe that's interesting. But Stephen Mee says he saw the entire movie. He loves the Sopranos. But the movie itself, he's giving it an overall 4 out of 10. So we'll keep that in mind. That's what Mike North said. Mike North said it was a C. Is, that's right. He did. I saw that tweet. I saw that tweet. So, uh, anyways, I'm going to check it out myself. 4,000 Clover says, damn, I at least give it a 7.5 out of 10. So, it's clearly one of those movies that uh, people are divided on. Mm -hmm. I haven't seen Rotten Tomatoes score on it or anything like that, but I love those period pieces from that era because I, that's, you know, sort of the era that I grew up in. That one scene in Goodfellas where um, – the mistress of uh, the Ray Liotta character is showing her girlfriends the apartment with the red walls and the fancy furniture and so forth. When that scene, when I first saw that scene in the theater, I thought I was living something out of my past. It, it was so deja vu because that's how my family was. My, my Puerto Rican family, they would go out to Elfish Furniture or Goldblatt's and put all this furniture on layaway. <laughs> they'd bring it home and they'd show it off to people and stuff. And, and that just felt so real to me. And so watching these movies from that era are always fun for me. Uh, my favorite scene from Goodfellas that just popped in my head was when uh, Ray Liotta finds out that Karen had been roughed up by the, the asshole that she was kind of seeing on the side. And he just like grabs that fucking pistol and just walks straight across the street and bashes his fucking head in. 
and then tells Karen to uh, to hide the gun. Yeah. And she's like, I was never so fucking turned on. My pussy was so wet. <laughs> she didn't say it like that, but right. she was, you know, I, I love that scene watching him just bash that fucking asshole with the gun because he was, you know, mean to a woman. I think that's great. Yeah. I mean, not in real life, but in the movie, it was great. Well, and I got to tell you, as a kid, I witnessed a lot of shit like that, too. You know, it's my, my uncle Mike, my late uncle Mike, you know, beating the shit out of somebody who you know, uh, beep the horn at him. He was in traffic. He get Mike says, what the fuck do you want? He gets out, opens the door, starts punching the other driver in the fucking face. And I'm like, I'm like eight years old saying, oh, what the fuck's going on here? You think Greg Gabriel's <laughs> ever done that to somebody? <laughs> I think he has. <laughs> yeah, I, I think so. Probably a liberal too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, John, uh, yeah, I, I, what have you seen that you like lately? I have I, all caught up on Ted Lasso, which is a show I really I'm love. Dying to see that, man. It, Jason Sudeikis is great, man. The whole cast is excellent. Uh, the characters are so, you know, it, it's basically the office you know, in a, a England with a revolving around a, a premier league soccer club, mm -hmm. you know, and uh, the soccer club hires a American college football coach, mm -hmm. you know, to coach soccer. you know, he arrives in England, doesn't know anything about soccer. That's great. He brings along, you know, his, his uh, a long time assistant coach. who's like, you know, kind of a savant with sports mm -hmm. and, and, uh, Ted Lasso's got all these great, uh, what I guess I would call like dust bowl, hillbilly folklore wisdom sayings. Mm -hmm. They're really funny. And a lot of pop culture references. And then, you know, the British characters, the captain of the team is, you know, an angry guy who's just growls at people. He's great. Uh, I mean, the storylines are great too. The, there's some, the directing is, is fantastic too. There's, uh, some really great episodes this season. Second season has been great. Uh, the finale is about to drop Friday. So, and then, uh, oh, cool. I, I, uh, I watched recently the Oats Studios on Netflix, which is a bunch of short films by Neil Blomkamp. I don't know if you know who that is. He, yes, I do. He did District Nine and Chappie yep. and Elysium and right. speculative fiction, man. And it's out there, man. It'll stick, stick with you if you watch it. It's, uh, makes you think i gotta see those because yeah. I, I they're I short I they're them. like five minutes to 20 minutes short stories mm -hmm. and man there's there's a vietnam war one that's incredible it's intense but yeah it's called oat studios on netflix i'll check that out hey uh the factor wants to know if we any of us have watched squid game everybody's talking about it i yeah. have not yet uh, i think factor you mentioned it last week uh, Dan, I know you haven't seen it, but uh, it sounds like two has. I haven't. I almost started it tonight. I really want to watch it. I'm trying to convince my wife okay. uh, to watch it too. But uh, we almost started it tonight. We didn't. Uh, uh, just uh, I probably will start in the next few days. I, everybody's talking about it. And, and then, of course, the House of the Dragon trailer dropped, if anybody saw that today. That's the Game of Thrones prequel series that HBO will be doing coming up pretty soon. Can't wait. Oh, Stephen Mee says Ted Lasso is based on the true story of Matt Nagy who hasn't had clue <laughs> how to coach a football team. <laughs> well done, Stephen. Maybe Matt Nagy was a soccer coach who came over to coach yeah. the Bears. <laughs> <laughs> I think he's an escapee from a mental institution. I mean, I guess if you liked uh, uh, what was the movie, the Korean movie that made the uh, won the Best Picture award? You probably like Squid Game, you know. It's... 
Yeah, I I, uh, I I know what movie you're talking about, which I yeah. thought was excellent. That was brilliant. Yeah. It, uh, what was it? Not sicko. What was that called? Um, I'm drawing a blank on it. Yeah, I knew you liked it. Uh, I, yeah, I, I haven't seen it, but I know you told me to watch it. You should it. see oh, it, man. It's good, Dan. It's really good. Really what good. about this uh, Clint Eastwood uh, cry macho movie? Anyone? I, I wasn't a big fan of that. Yeah, PJ says it was not very good. It was I okay. mean, again, for how old he is, I got to give the man credit for yeah. being 91 years old and walking and directing and starring. <laughs> but the story was kind of <laughs> shitty. <laughs> and how yeah, he ends yeah. up with the woman at the end and she again he's 91 mm -hmm. that beautiful woman's not gonna be like well i tell you what you bring out your great great grandfather i'm gonna suck his fucking cock <laughs> i mean that's not happening i mean i like clint i guess you know but i mean does he need a love story in this <laughs> oh. Just get the, i did i did the whole movie i expected the the uh them to like get across because the dad's kind of shitty too and the mom is shitty mm -hmm. you know like no one has this kid's best intentions at all mm -hmm. so i was expecting it to be like well clint's gonna raise him now and take care of him do do things the right way but he's like ah fuck it just go back to your dad dad you're probably gonna get killed anyway or sent to a parasite you know, i'm gonna go back to this right there parasite yeah, Parasite is the name of the movie we're thinking about. Uh, by the way, uh, is there a Clint Eastwood movie that you like, Dan? Yeah, sure. Tell us uh, those titles. That one, I, I really like some of the the, dirt, the Dirty Harry movies. I really like Magnum Force. Mm -hmm. I like the first one called you know, just Dirty Harry. And I like the, the last one he did, The Deadpool, that had Jim Carrey in it. Mm -hmm. And uh, Liam Neeson. Uh, Guns and Roses was in it. I really enjoyed that one. The other two, Enforcer and Sudden Impact, are they, aren't they good? But that I've told you about this one on air before. Uh, the film he did called Tightrope. Yeah, I really enjoyed because it shows it's very gritty. He's a Saints fan in that, and he's in New Orleans. And like, mm -hmm. despite the fact he's a cop, he has a lot of shades of gray. Like he sleeps yeah. with prostitutes. Mm -hmm. He's kinky. Yeah, yeah, he's in, it shows he's not perfect because even though he's the policeman, and most Eastwood movies kind of show him as perfect because even if he's, you know, not doing things by the book, you, you, he's the anti-hero, so you, you like it because you know, overall he's trying to put the shit bag away. Mm -hmm. So even and he's like handcuffed by you know bureaucracy, but in this movie, he's just a normal guy. He's flawed and he's lonely and. Uh, he sleeps with hookers and, and it's just really realistic. I thought like to who, cause cops, even if they're heroes, aren't <clears throat> supermen, they have their, their, their down days as much as we do. So mm -hmm. I, th I, I thought that was an excellent film. Unforgiven was good. Yeah. You know, I'm not even a Western yeah. guy, but I liked it. Uh, a perfect world was excellent with Kevin Costner. Yeah. I haven't seen that and, one. Oh, from that, one that one was really excellent. I thought uh, Costner's sort of the bad guy, but sort of not. Um, Eastwood is the cop, but uh, that that was a really good film. Mm -hmm. and do you want me to keep going? Because I don't have a problem with Clint Eastwood. I'll uh, I'll throw one in there. Uh, Mystic River, I think, uh, yeah. is my favorite. Clint well, he didn't star in that. He just directed that one, right? Yeah. That's correct. He directed it. Yeah. Sean Penn's movie. That was a great movie. Yeah. Didn't Sean Penn direct that? Did Eastwood do it? I'm pretty sure. Eastwood. River. Eastwood directed it, I think. And okay, and starred in it. And, yeah, uh, uh, director Tim Robbins. Yeah, exactly. 
that that's my favorite uh, Eastwood movie, and then the ones that he starred in, I, I, definitely the spaghetti westerns yeah, that he did. The good, the bad, and the ugly. One of the greatest of all time. Exactly. That's what put him on the map. After you know, he did Rawhide, the TV show. Yep. Uh, he went uh, to Italy, sort of like um, yeah, uh, uh, the Tarantino movie where. The car- the uh, Italian westerns. <laughs> Italian westerns. That's right. They, they filmed a lot of those in Spain, though. You know, the mm-hmm. desert uh, area. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, yeah, two of my favorite movies of all time are the spaghetti westerns. Once Upon a Time in the West with Charles awesome. Bronson. Just awesome. beautiful to look at. The mm-hmm. story's fantastic. The music is perfect. Mm-hmm. Same with Good, the Bad, and the Ugly. You know, and uh, of course, the director Sergio Leone also did Once Upon a Time in America. Another great one with uh, De Niro yeah, and James Niro. Woods. That's, Love that's that excellent. Love that movie. You got to watch the four and a half hour version of yeah, the, agree. the American edit is all fucked up. Yeah. I play you know, Misty he for mentioned me. Charles Bronson. I have a, a fucking thing for like a weakness or something. Like, like what, what's the word I'm looking for? You know, where it's not really your cup of tea, but for some reason, I really I, like, I like a lot of Charles Bronson's movies. I wouldn't admit that to anybody. Yeah. But I do. <laughs> I love Charles Bronson. I think a the, guilty pleasure is what I'm trying to guilty say. Guilty pleasure. Uh, I mean, the one of my favorite movies of all time is The Dirty Dozen, Lee Marvin, and a great cast with Charles Bronson, John Cassavetes, uh, uh, Clint Walker, um, G, uh, Jimmy Brown, the former Cleveland yeah. Brown football star. Um, that Have you ever seen that, guys? No, I I watched the Dirty Dozen. Yeah, so I didn't watch his. I don't like westerns. The Dirty Dozen is a war movie, and the, oh. these these twelve guys are all prisoners of war. They're they're military guys who have done something terrible, and they're all going to be sentenced to death. And so uh, there's a secret mis- mission in World War II, and they recruit these 12 guys, and Lee Marvin is supposed to train yeah. them for the secret mission, and they go on this, uh, you know, uh, mission where it's obvious they're not all coming back alive. And it is so fucking well done, and Lee Marvin is a man's fucking man. And all these 12 guys, <laughs> Telly Savalas is in it. Yeah. Uh, they're, they're, they're all unique personalities. Uh, Bronson is is in that movie i think it's a great fucking movie dan watch that movie that's on your assignment we'll talk about it next week i don't know if i have time to, or if i could find it between now and then it's but a three and a half hour I, movie too so i liked uh just off against i liked mr majestic i like the mechanic love those movies absolutely yeah, those are the kind of movies from bronson that i like yeah. uh I, I, I like some of those De- Death Wish films. I was well. going to ask you, did you like the Death Wish movies? I like Death Wish two. The third one was a little bit uh, like Jump the Shark. Mm-hmm. I really like Death Wish two. It had uh, in a very minor thug role, like he wasn't anybody yet. It had Lawrence Fishburne just as a random yeah. shitbag. Mm-hmm. Yep, a musical score by Jimmy Page from Led Zeppelin. Yeah, I did not know Death that. Wish two. Yeah. Wow. I, I thought that was the best of the Death Wish movies. That now, was... And those movies were criticized by liberals because it advocated for vigilantism. And, you know, how liberals are, you don't do that. You know, you let the law, you let government handle that. Um, and, uh, you know, guys like Dan, John, and myself, you know, somebody fucks with us, we're going to go shoot them. <laughs> <laughs> that Lions fan in the stands, he doesn't know how close he was and he brought up Cody Park. <laughs> Did Dan uh, Dan ever see Once Upon a Time in the West? 
No, I've I've seen Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I love that. But you got to see Once Upon a Time in the West if you like. Bronson. Totally agree with Tooch. You got to see that. Yeah, watch that one. Uh, my my wife had never seen it. We watched it recently, maybe like a month or two ago. It was on HBO, I think, and uh, uh, she loved it. You know, she had never seen it. Got beautiful Claudia Cardinale uh, was the female lead in that. But yeah. Dan was uh, over the house over the weekend, and I gave him a bunch of DVDs. And so I had, a, I don't know, maybe I had 20 or 30. And so you looked through them, and you took maybe seven or eight, something like that. And so after you left, Dan, I'm looking through some of the titles that you said no to. Now, I know you said that there, you may have had some of them, but you left behind some really good titles. Yeah. You know that, right? Such as? Such as? Such as? Uh, Behind the Green Door. <laughs> yeah, Debbie does Dallas. Debbie does What's Dallas. Wrong with you, Dan? <laughs> I can't believe you said no to my porn collection. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah. uh, some some titles are coming up here that I want you guys to comment on. Oh, Val Kil Kilmer should have gotten an Oscar for his role in Once Upon a Time in Mexico. Was it? No, he wasn't in that movie. Was he? or oh, Tombstone? Tombstone. Uh, one more Bronson, and I'll shut up. Sure. Uh, a movie that I couldn't think of the name of it, so I looked through his filmography. He has a movie that I really, really fucking like called Ten to Midnight. That it's from 1983. That one is excellent. That's the, the naked guy killer. Yes. Right? Yes, that one is the really killer was good. naked, so he wouldn't leave any clues behind or something, right? Yeah, yeah, I really like that. That's film. That one is awesome. <laughs> Did you ever see uh, the Valachi Papers? Yes, that was good too. Was he? Yes, a, that's really old. It's like part Italian. He was in prisoner, right? In prison, right? He was a uh, uh, um, uh, 1972 picture, I believe. In fact, I'm looking it up right now. Yeah, I saw it on Prime uh, about six months ago. That that one I didn't love. It was okay. Mm -hmm. uh, it kept blending in Italian. It was fucked up. Like it. <sighs> Like a lot of it had like the actual Charles Bronson voice in it, and then a lot of times it would just cut and and have the mixed in Italian voiceover voice in it randomly. It just it was a bad edit on Amazon Prime, uh, so I think that took away from it. Um, I I saw it when I was a teenager, and so I don't remember much of it. But the funny story behind it is that. There was a guy who used to hang out with us who had really bad acne complexion. You know, he had all the pocket holes and so forth. And so somebody said, you look like Charles Bronson in the Valachi papers. And so that was his nickname. Even to this day now, he's in his 60s, and people are still calling him Valachi. <laughs> That's so awesome. Uh, Dan, you really you have got to see Once Upon a Time. I mean, Once Upon a Time in the West was uh, the first movie where Henry Fonda played a villain. I, I, and, real uh, bad. So, yes. People, the theaters didn't want to play the movie because they didn't think that people would accept Henry Fonda as a bad. He was a terrible guy. They didn't think that he they would accept Henry Fonda as a villain. Henry Fonda really wanted to do the role, mm -hmm. and then of course you have uh, Jason Robards is the other. Uh, there's three of them, just like in, in the Good, the Bad, and the Ugly. There's Henry Fonda, mm -hmm. there's uh, uh, Charles Bronson, and there's Jason Robards. And uh, I, I had to go back, and, and I didn't realize it was Jason Robards who played Cheyenne, the other uh, cowboy. Uh, and uh, 
the, the story revolves around these three, of course, and the woman and the, uh, an area, a plot of land and a railroad being built a lot like Chinatown. We talked about Chinatown with uh, the water in the, in the LA Valley, you know, same kind of mystery. Uh, but man, if you get a chance, you got to spin that one. Yeah. Uh, Danny, you, should, you need to do that, Dan, please. All do. right. Well, please what platform it. is it on? I'll find out for you. In fact, I, I should have put that in my DVD collection for you. I think that's one of the titles you said no to, you fucker. Anyway. Um, <laughs> I was generally worried that I made your wife mad. I was like, yeah. Oh, yeah. Because she wanted those DVDs gone. Because now. Oh, okay. well, I didn't want to just be greedy and just take shit that I know I wasn't either not going to watch or don't, already have. Don't worry about it. Listen, uh, Ravi says, have you, and I think you have just recently seen this. Ravi says he likes the vigilante flick named Harry Brown with Michael Caine. Did you just see that, Dan? I, I don't think so. I've seen some Michael Caine movies recently, but I don't, that one doesn't stand out to okay. me. I mean, Michael Caine has to, he, he's got to have the record for appearing in the most movies. You know, has been in a lot of movies. 300, 300 movies. He's got to have the record. What was the name of that other movie that you just saw, Dan? And you talked about it four or five shows ago. I saw the Michael Caine movie recently where uh, the, the De Palma film where he's the cross dresser. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, Dress to Kill. Was that Dress to Kill Dress or to something? Kill. Yep. Yeah, yeah, I watched that and I watched the two disaster films that he was in, The Swarm and the sequel to the Gene Hackman film with, with the boat, mm -hmm. Poseidon. Poseidon, Poseidon Adventure. Right. Yeah, it was like more Poseidon or something. Like Michael Caine got in the sequel of that and uh, The Swarm uh, by, with that same director that does all the disaster films. So it's like by the time De Palma comes knocking in 80, a few years later, he's like, dude, I'll suck your dick. Just get me away from this disaster flick, uh, <laughs> flick guy. Get me a real uh, fucking movie. <laughs> Brian De Palma just had a movie uh it came out and i didn't know it was him directing it, it was called domino and it has uh the actor who played jamie lannister on game of thrones and uh it wasn't well received but man when you watch it you're like just you, no mistake it's brian de palma as the director it's uh that same pacing the same camera uh he was obviously a, a big uh, uh fan of uh directors like uh hitchcock and uh uh, all, uh, Orson Welles, but uh, you, uh, <laughs> if you get a chance to watch it's called Domino, uh, it, it's an, I thought it was an okay movie, it got slammed, but yeah, man, the, thought, the directing thought, was fantastic. I thought it was pretty good. All Did the Palma movies are you may not like the movie, but you can't argue with the fact <laughs> that guy is an incredible director, what he does with the camera. If you Absolutely. The movie Carrie and what he did in the, that that scene yep. at the high school, and of course the the famous closing shot where the hand comes out of the grave, and just everybody in the theater <laughs> at the time just jumped out of this. It's become a an iconic uh, uh, kind of uh, scene now in, in many horror movies that that jump uh, edit. By the way, Get Carter is the movie you saw recently, yeah. uh, Dan. Michael Get King. Carter. Yeah, I didn't he, see that. I saw the one with Stallone. I didn't see the other one. I right, saw the original was Michael yeah. Caine. Yeah, it's a great. I movie. didn't see that one. What the fuck, Dan? Yeah. You're letting me down again. I, see, I wanted to mention what Tooch said quickly. Uh, sure. I watched the DVD or the Blu-ray with all kinds of bonus features for the De Palma film called Obsession uh, from '76. 
that I initially watched on Turner Classic Movies uh, sometime this year. Genevieve but I bought the Blu-ray because it had all, all these bonus features on it. And he openly admits that the whole thing is like an homage to Hitchcock. Oh, absolutely. So I just wanted to acknowledge that because we're, we're yeah. too said that. Saw it at the old Esquire Theater in downtown Chicago on a huge fucking screen and loved it. Great score by uh, Bernard Herman. I think it was his last score before he passed away. Maybe Taxi Driver was. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's a good movie. Uh, Michael Caine. Uh, excuse me, not Michael Caine. Uh, 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 what's the guy's name who was Spider-Man's father in the original Spider-Man movie? Uh, Cliff, Cliff, Robert, uh, Cliff Robertson. Cliff Robertson. Uh, Genevieve Bougeau, and it's a it's kind of a ripoff of uh, Vertigo. Where uh, well, I won't get into the whole thing because it, it gets kind of boring if if you're not a fan of those movies. But if you are a fan of Hitchcock and if you are a fan of De Palma, Obsession is definitely a movie to watch. Yeah, I've only got three more minutes left, but I want to acknowledge that since we talked about De Palma, the best film he did, in my opinion, is the one with Travolta. Blowout. Um, Blowout. Blowout. Yeah, yeah, I love that movie. Yeah, it was great. That movie is fantastic. Mm -hmm. Yep. He's done a lot of good movies over the years. My favorite is is the one that he did, um, uh, Body Double. That's just a fucking sexy yeah. movie with Melanie Griffin. She no, I've a, seen it. I've seen it. She plays a porn star. Craig Wasson is a guy who is duped into witnessing a murder. Yeah. Um, uh, I'm already giving away too much, but that's that's a good movie if you ever want to uh, watch a good murder mystery and and take your dick out and jerk off while you watch. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Dan Aguirre, you go. You going to the nine one one job? Yep, I'm headed back in full force, uh, starting here in a minute uh, to both jobs this week. Hey, Dan, but I got a question again, for you. When you're at that job, right? I mean, you you're handling some really heavy duty calls sometimes, you know. Like, have you ever handled the murder call or a kidnap call or anything like that? You could share a story with. Oh, let me think. It's certainly murder, uh, and child molesting and death and overdose. Yeah, I don't, I don't think I've had a kidnapping call. One, I'm fortunate that I've never had to do a infant cpr call i'm afraid of that i'm just going to be honest with you like i, I guess at some point it's going to happen mm -hmm. and i've i've somehow managed to get out of being on the call when the girl's like the water's broke this is her third child she's dilated this far this fucker's coming out right now we need you to tell us how to deliver this but <laughs> uh, are there any women in the room that want to take this <laughs> i've never had to do that one either so but i I've pretty much have done everything else have you ever had a call with somebody like getting a, a, a gerbil stuck up their ass or anything like that? No, no, I had that. Uh, the dildo, the, uh, the dildo thing. Uh, I think I've told you this before. I was brand new in 09. I just got laid off from radio. And I, I mean, I was so new. I don't even think they just had me listening to the calls, mm -hmm. you know, and like not even taking them yet. And just seeing how that the, the person who was training me was doing, I was just shadowing him. Mm-hmm. And this guy, I'll just say his first name's Earl. Uh, how could you ever forget that? This guy named Earl, who's like in his 60s, calls and says that he and his lady were doing some experimenting. And uh, the dildo got sucked into his ass and they can't get it out. <laughs> it was stuck in, like up his sphincter, I guess. Well, by the time that EMS and everybody gets on scene, there is no girl. This motherfucker was savagely penetrating his own orifice with his own dildo. Oh, and the crew told us that they put him on the stretcher on all fours 
and they had to take him to the hospital and wait till the vibrator battery died before they could uh, surgically remove it from his ass. <laughs> That's I remember telling my friend, who's the policeman, Mike, uh, that day, he goes, man, fuck that. I would have driven to Charlotte. Because again, Charlotte from us is like two and a half hours. Uh-huh. He's like, I would have driven to Charlotte. Nobody I know. Would have known that I had a dildo surgically removed from my ass. <laughs> like, by the time I got down there, the battery would have been dead. I'd probably come my pants a few times, but oh well. By the way, Stephen Meese says there's yeah. a, a movie on Netflix with Jake Gyllenhaal. Uh, That's the one I watched. Yep. Yeah, he, 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 I heard an interview of him talking about with Howard Stern on The Drive. Okay. They shot that in like 11 days on an yeah. island. By the way, we have to have PJ. That's a- Antoine Fuqua film. It's yeah. all just just Jake Gyllenhaal and himself talking on a phone for the most part. Great, and, you know, phenomenal acting. Yeah, but I was, I was saying uh, PJ needs to be on the show because he's been, he was a policeman for thirty one years total, so he could tell us some stories. That would be oh, awesome. Yeah. That would be awesome. <laughs> PJ, we're, we're gonna book that book you for a show sometime soon. Okay. Um, all right, gentlemen, I gotta go. You be well. Have a good night, Aldo. Thanks for the, everything yeah. on the trip and both weekends. All right, brother. I love you, Danny. All right. I love you too, too. Thanks. <laughs> Let me get uh, Dan's picture out of the way here. Uh, so many good Brian De Palma movies, though, man. Scarface, The Untouchables, mm-hmm. Carlito's Way, mm-hmm. Casualties of War, Bonfires of the Vanities. Mm-hmm. The dude is, man, he's one of the greatest of American directors of all time. Casualties of, yeah, I totally agree. Casualties of War is one that doesn't get as much acclaim as I think yeah. it should. Great movie. That is so well done. Yep. There's actually a documentary on Brian De Palma that uh, is on Netflix, <laughs> one of the streaming services. It's it's interesting. It's not very well shot. It's like a, they shot him, his interview on an iPhone or something like that. <laughs> but um, he's fascinating, and they, uh, there's an abundance of movie clips from from his uh, his films, and so I, I I recommend it if you're a De Palma fan. And oh, I am. He's he's just a cool. Me too. He just turned 81. He's got four four new movies coming out. Four, according really? to IMDb. Yeah. Wow. So wow. I guess we got some treats coming up. Cool. So, All right. Yeah. Uh, I yep. am tired. I want to yep. go to bed. Oh. I worked four hours on that fucking video. Oh my god. Yep. <laughs> If my computer dies, uh, the battery dies. I didn't hang up on you, Aldo. <laughs> okay. Well, okay. Well, it's, why don't you uh, do any shout-outs you want? Welcome to the show, by the way, and uh, give share any final thoughts that you have, and uh, we'll get the hell out of here. By the way, did you know? I've failed in a lot of different ways. Just, uh, just. You know. I'm definitely not shouting that motherfucker out. <laughs> uh i just yeah uh i i want to shout out danny for driving all the way out here and i was able to meet him finally give him a big hug and uh, aldo for uh hosting the get together at uh at miller's uh and uh glad i was able to catch up with you guys well it was fun seeing you again and i had fun playing with your two daughters they're (laughs) beautiful kids man thank you beautiful kids and uh, I'm glad that the uh, you, you, how how is the condo? Because you came back into town and to clean the condo. How? Yeah, I didn't get it done. I'm gonna have to come back in uh, two more weeks and finish it up. But boy, I I, I'm, I thought you know I'd be able to finish it up. You know, my son did most of the work uh, with a big dumpster throwing out everything. But oh good. Uh, you know, 20 years of stuff. You know, just 
I should have had it, it was I was torn. I was like, should I get one eight hundred junk to come out and that could get expensive, you know? Mm-hmm. Or just get a dumpster, do it ourselves. We tried. So now second dumpster probably would have been about the same cost, maybe. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But uh yeah, and finish it up in a couple of weeks and then it'll be on the market. Well, good luck in selling that. Uh, yeah, the market's right, I guess. You it know, is hot, hot market right now. So it is indeed. Get your shit together, get it all together, and put it in a backpack. All your shit, so it's together. And if you gotta take it somewhere, take it somewhere, you know? Take it to the shit store and sell it. Or or put it in a shit museum, I don't care what you do. You just gotta get it together. Get your shit together. We can all agree. (laughs) One of my favorite shows, Rick and Morty. Oh, outstanding. It's the best. I got into it when I found that clip and I started watching some of the episodes. Oh, that's hilarious. I I love it. my favorite episode is when uh, uh, Rick is the great scientist. You know, he built like the perfect place to take a shit. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, 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 this like toilet commode, like overlooking this beautiful alien world with a giant waterfall. And then he finds out someone's been using his shitter. Mm-hmm. He's got to find out who it is. I want to give away the episode, but it's killer. I'm taking a picture of this comment from Ashley. Why is Dan? Uh, play, run that up on the next show. Yeah, well, I'm going to send it to Dan now so that <laughs> I'm sure all the way uh, to 911 he's going to be jerking off. In his car. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, all right. All right. Uh, get some get rest. Here, brother. Uh, yeah, I'm going to sleep for about 10 hours. Uh, this is fun, and I can't wait to have you on a regular. We, we'll set up the whole blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Um, and um, I'll and, help you out with that. Do you want to plug anything before uh, we go, but some of the other projects that you're working on? Just uh, if you if you're into mobile sports gambling, you want to make some wagers. I'll be doing you know I do Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, just covering football. Right now with my partner Anthony Inglese, uh, and give out free plays for uh, DraftKings or FanDuel or whatever you're playing, and uh, uh, you can catch that on uh, Twitter. I'll live on uh, Maximum Edge Sports uh, on Twitter. You can watch live or YouTube Maximum Edge Sports. And you can watch uh, us give out free plays. Great. Yeah, give uh, Tucci follow on Twitter at John Santucci VIP. He will entertain yep. you uh, with information on sports, entertainment, gambling, and he's a, he's a really good follow. So uh, thanks, everybody, for tuning in, especially those of you who tuned in live and interacted with us. You're a big part of the show. We love to put your comments up and react to them. And uh, tell your friends about what we're doing here at the Barroom Network. And we've got a wide range of shows. We've got everything from G-rated shows to X-rated shows where we talk about gerbils up people's asses. (laughs) Anal beads. Anal beads. we got something for everybody. (laughs) All right. Take care. All right.